0: Welcome to Wing Talk from the Inap Fixed Wing Group. Now here is your host, Steve Schlesinger.
1: Welcome to Wing Talk. This is Steve. This is we're about to get crunked today. Um, this is going to be a fun episode. With me as always is Mr. Darren Lyons, all the way from the UK. Darren, how you doing today, babes? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I actually thought you were going to say Mark for some reason, but yeah. <laughs> yeah I usually do, but I, I feel like I need to work up to Mark because he's so dynamic. Yeah, just,
2: just switch it around a bit. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. yeah I've, there's
2: I've, a... Go ahead. Yeah, I'm good. I've been actually spent the last hour and a half on the simulator because someone else who's in the chat has, I watched this
1: video and it's like, right, I'm going to have a mess around. <laughs> so... <laughs> cool. Yeah, I you noticed you're wearing the Pink Floyd shirt today. Yep, yep. Dark yep. side of the moon. Yeah. Hey, I know you're a bit of a music buff. And um, I know it might sound a bit amazing to hear, but most people look at me and they say there's a guy in his late 20s, early 30s. But I'm actually much older than that. And uh, yeah, I um, went to this school back in this amazing time called the 1980s, went to college. And um, so they basically, I went to San Diego State University, and Castle Anthrax fed into San Diego State University. So we had all fair maidens running around the campus. It was just a great time. Um, But there was, for a time, I had a a little DJ business. And um, so I played like kind of like the top 40 music of the day. and, And one of those songs was, Never gonna give you up, never gonna let you down, never gonna run around and desert you. Um, So it's Rick Ashley from the 1980s, and it was a guy who looked like Howdy Doody. And he was wearing blue jeans, wafer, sunglasses, and a white T-shirt, and kind of trying to pretend to dance. And then sometimes you dance in a trench coat. Um, anyways, that song kind of came and went in the 1980s. Then, about 2010, uh, what I would do is I'd say to someone like Darren, Darren, he wouldn't believe it, Um my Bixler 2, I got video of it crashing into the swimming pool at the YMCA. You gotta check this out. And Darren would click on the link and then he would open it up. And there's Rick Ashley singing, Never going to give you up, never going to let you down. And so that was called Rick Rolling. And so he's kind of been the butt of a joke for like the last decade or so. But so the reason I bring this up is another band out of the UK was the Smiths from the 1980s, and they were kind of like big like Oasis, not quite Oasis status, but they're pretty big for the time. They're out in Manchester. And uh, they, um, I guess the lead singer, Morrissey, had uh, some issues and he's been kind of canceled. So there was a trivia band going around doing Smith songs. And one night, Rick Ashley was actually out at a pub and he gets up on stage and starts singing Smith songs with this band. And so now it's like all the rage, like this Cover band with Rick Ashley are doing Smith tunes and they're like supposedly like this is the Smiths that we deserve and this is the Morrissey we deserve and Have you heard anything about this in the UK? Not heard a thing no. about it to be honest <laughs> 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 After all that story no Not, not heard a, a thing about it <laughs> Look, it's Okay cool so we're having the UK today so um, I'm gonna turn it over now to our partner in crime as somebody who doesn't speak british today uh, with the, the nice british accent i speak with the lovely american accent and um so i need someone else to kind of balance me out so i have someone with a slight german accent and that is mr mark hoffman all the way from Halle, uk um actually germany holla germany mark how you doing
0: As if, yeah and I'm, I'm doing well i just went back from the flying field uh, did some Test flight, some fun with a few friends. Uh, yeah, I I was a little bit late, so a little bit rushy. Uh, just in case something is, is wrong with the sound or whatever, uh, just type it in the chat. I hope everything is well now because I had no time for testing this time.
1: <laughs> um, and then you, supposedly today is the day you were going to test out the Audra, autopilot on. It was a dual blue. You built the clouds, and we're going to be talking all about yeah. that, right?
0: Unfortunately, not. Uh, because we had two. Problems. First of all, when we went to the flying field, we were already late. And then when we came back, uh, yeah, some other things took too long. So it was too late then to uh, main the clouds with autopilots. Uh, so I decided not to rush it because okay. if you rush something, uh, we know what happens. Uh, you right. loiter at thirty centimeters. <laughs> <laughs> We've we'll been talking about thirty centimeters in a while. <laughs> we will talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no clouds flight, but uh, some nice flights with the with the alpha strike strike. And finally, no, proper like, testing.
1: Heard you had a guest show up from all the way from the UK once again. Right. Uh, this is a repeat visitor yes and, we actually uh, asked him to come on to talk all about it uh, <laughs> Glenn welcome back how are you doing today I'm
3: well thank you yeah I'm really well thank you thank you very much thanks for asking me to come back
1: okay cool yeah we're looking forward to hearing all about your trip and time with mark and you always make like the best videos uh, so Glenn has these amazing videos he we actually I think he joined the group but uh, we were about six months old, I would say, and uh, he had an F-405 wing that had problems and it took a while to get his <laughs> you know, wing to get going. And yeah, we, we got together and um, his first videos of, of him flying this AR wing out in the field and uh, he flew it and he actually had audio on so you he could hear his reactions as he's flying the plane and it like took off in autopilot and then... Um, and, uh, auto launch, and he gets it up, and he puts it in to return to home and it starts losing altitude and you see this nice old church, and you see the plane heading right toward the stained glass window and then doing a turn in the last possible second, oh. and you know all sorts of four letter words. and um since then, you know he found Mark and has been like just has like the best planes, and he has the best experiences and Going to Mark is kind of like, I guess, like a summer camp for him. So it's going to be really awesome. So we're looking forward to hearing about your trip, uh, your return trip with Mark. But now we have the man of the hour. And that is um, the way we pick people for doing uh, guests is actually if you're actually in the group and you're actually active and talking it up and whatever else and and available when we need you in about I don't know, 24 hours or so, because we're like. <laughs> We're like, we're not going to have a guest. No, we're just going to talk today. And then all of a sudden, last minute, we need a guest. And then so thank you for stepping in today. It is none other than Crunkle Floop. Um, I don't know if we call him Crunk, Crunk. Can we call you just Crunk or Mr. Floop? <laughs> what is it? Uh, yeah, I've been called many things. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a guy I, with an even better British accent. This is a little bit thicker. And But I just understand you don't live too far away from Darren. No, literally, um... Oh, twenty 20 miles, isn't it? Well, next is the growth <laughs> Okay, cool. And uh, uh, so... uh oh,
4: the
1: us- <laughs> Yeah. I may or may not have flown past. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about um, your, your experience with RC, how you got started in this. Yeah, so um, I actually grew up in New Zealand.
5: Um, and uh, when I was out there, there was a model shop, and I was into um, cars predominantly and i was in the model shop and they had this um park zone spitfire i thought i I can't not buy that so i bought it and flew it until i crashed it and it was a million pieces um and not long after that came back to to live in the uk um i didn't fly
1: for years i mean uh, say this park zone spitfire i flew in must have been 2003. mr Floop. yep uh, it seems like a microphone is cutting off a bit you guys
0: hear that there in the yeah, it's, it's a oh, little yeah, bit, chop, a chop, bit choppy, choppy sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's choppy. So. But, but it's understandable, so if, if you can't switch, it's fine. I'll, uh, I'll try switching. Yeah, okay, let's try switching. Maybe it's better. Is that any better? Oh, oh, yeah, much, much better. better, much better.
5: <laughs> okay, excellent. There we are. Glad I, glad I spent the money on those. <laughs> <laughs>
4: that's a so,
5: um, yeah, I, I, I hadn't flown for, for years and years, and I bought myself a... Um, Volantix Ranger in 2018, I flew at line of sight and I thought this would be great with a camera on it. So I, I just literally stuck one of those keychain cameras on, I thought this would be great if I could see what was happening and I hadn't got online or anything so I had no idea about FPV and this is 2018 so I was pretty late to the party. Um, and then I literally went on good. I don't know how to mention them or not but uh, <laughs> Bought myself um, some really basic FPV kit, and um, the rest is history. Really, I just fell in love with it, and it gave me a huge um, leap into flying. I used to fly um, light aircraft back in New Zealand as well, which is something I missed. So it kind of gave me that element back. And then um, in 2000, uh,
1: like you might have rewind a, a little bit. Um, so the question I have is, you said you flew like you had this model from the model shop, yep. but this was a long time ago. It was like twenty years ago or something. Yep. Okay. And then you didn't fly any. You crashed it. Did you fly anything after that?
5: No, literally. Um, well, I bought the Ranger in two thousand and eighteen. Right. Right. So it, there's
1: nothing in between then, right?
5: There's nothing in between. And then two thousand. Well, basically, this became my lockdown hobby. <laughs> <laughs> and I th- everything I've learned, I've learned in the last year and a half throw myself into it so you,
1: you flew light aircraft does that mean like Cessnas is an actual yeah. like GA rated pilot
5: Cessna yeah I was flying towards PPL uh, so Cessna Piper and all that I can't afford it now so this is a very good substitute in fact it, it's better really because you can just fly from anywhere
1: wow yeah <laughs> so this is this it's interesting. Did you get your pilot's license? Because it's a bit of work and a bit of money to get your pilot's license.
5: It, it, it's a huge amount of money. Um, it and it's it's three times the price in the UK. So yeah, I've got I've gone up a couple of times, but I um, so I've let that lapse. Really, um, it, it's fun, but then you're just so restricted into where you can go, and you've got to you've got to play by the rules. Yeah. <laughs> <No. laughs>
1: I'm not so good at that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, uh, you like this so you can do kind of your own thing. You go out in the field and Absolutely. kind of get left alone. Yeah.
5: Oh, it's, it's great. and There's, there's nothing, until you've flown FPV, um, it's that freedom you don't get in any other RC hobby. So,
1: so this makes it really interesting because you actually have, you flew line of sight. Yeah. And then you sort of line of sight again. So obviously, did you the the Ranger last a little longer than your Spitfire did?
5: Yes, yeah, a little bit longer, but... Uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and then you actually had the experience of actually being in the cockpit and flying something. Yes. And yeah. and then you now you have planes that are kind of... Some of the planes you fly are traditional planes that have traditional tails on them. Yeah. So...
5: Yeah, I've um I mean after the ranger I got into a mini talon because everyone had a mini Talon. so I thought I'll follow the follow the group and um, which is fine but I've always preferred a conventional tail as you can see behind me I've got three up on the wall there um, the cub and the two alba birds and to, to my mind they just fly better it's probably a <laughs> a heated thing to say but just
1: no, everyone kind of gravitates towards one thing or the other, and yeah. it's is kind of. Have you ever flown a flying wing before?
5: Yep, I've got uh, I've got this little baby here. So that's the. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> that's my. That's um. Oh, it's a fantastic little thing that.
2: <laughs> Last pants um, for the googly eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah.
5: We got the googly
1: eyes in front. Oh, that's awesome.
5: <laughs> it means it doesn't look so threatening when it goes through the back of someone's window.
1: <laughs> okay, cool. So then um you, you know you switched over. So the the birds you you've gone from, you've gone from the range do you still have the ranger or did that one that no, that
5: went I I gave it away. I mean I, I tend to give planes away and I I kind of I've always thought that hobbies like this grow through sharing. So whenever I'm flying, if someone comes up and meets me, I'll just Say so, well, look, give it a go. Here you go, <laughs> have a go. <laughs> and uh, I've got friends who've been interested in the hobby, so I've just give, given them a plane, and they've got into it as well. So I think you know, if I'm not flying the thing, I haven't flown it for you know a couple of months. It's someone else's, so they may as well get use out of it. So that's why I've had so many planes over the last year. I keep giving them away. <laughs> 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 that's well, that's cool uh, yeah, the
4: except arguments.
1: the alboverts those are my babies they're staying with me <laughs> okay so what makes them so special why do you like them so much um,
5: I, I wanna say the, I couldn't really say they're the perfect plane but for, for me especially um, they just do everything I need them to do I mean you can load them up with 14,000 milliamp l- lion and fly for for days um Conversely, I've got one with DJI, which i fly on a 5200 LiPo. I can punch that up to the clouds at 399 feet. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> 399 feet, me too. <laughs> you,
5: you can fly aerobatically, and, and it fits in the car. I've got quite a small car, so I can fit that in the car without having to take the wings off. And I can't think of any other plane that is quite so versatile as that. And the, the other thing that I love about it is it's so quiet. So, I mean, a lot of the places I fly from, they're sort of, you know, field, public fields and public areas. And you just don't want to draw too much attention to yourself. So, a plane that you can just throw in the air, get up, and just cruise silently is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're great.
1: <laughs> so, the, the mid, if you have the Ranger, that's the, it's a mid-fuselage pusher. So, that is kind of similar to a Bixler, I would say. Yes, yeah and then um also they have um uh finwing is working right now they're getting rid of their larger planes but so yep. they do they do have around 10 of the sabers left so that's like an 1800 millimeter uh version it's like a bixler 2 but about yep. 1800 millimeters so that's your traditional <laughs> tail plane you might want to pick one up because before they go extinct here yeah. um that seems like fun. I don't know. It, it sounds like maybe the mid fuselage pushers aren't the thing for you. You like actually tractor fed planes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm not too
5: too fast really. I mean, the thing I'm looking at currently. Funny enough, I was going through a walk today through the countryside, and I quite like going through. I mean, I'm very lucky where I live in the south southeast of England. We've got fantastic countryside. And I'll go for a walk, and it's a great excuse to go out with the family and look for flying spots. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I found um, there's a little harbour nearby, and I found where I can go right down to the water. I thought, I've got to buy a float plane. So suggestions uh, for float planes or seaplanes planes um, that will fit in a car and can stick FPV on be more
1: than welcome. <laughs> you know, the, the tundra, I just made in one today it's uh it is it comes with floats and yeah. so it's 1300 millimeter it is a tractor fed plane like the way you like them um it's a bit uh i find it that it was they it suggested somewhere between 1300 milliamp to 2200 milliamp battery in there and i yeah. found it to be way too light you need a lot more uh, ballast in this plane in order to get it to fly but um it, uh, yeah, it comes with floats, and the are about $180 for the PNP or about $130 yeah. if you buy a kit, which I did, and then put my own motor and my own servos on. So okay. that, then they also, but there's actual float planes. The problem with float planes is that you you, you need one that has reverse on the motor. That's yeah. essential. Otherwise, you'll have to go swimming to get your plane back. <laughs>
0: It's by really um, the a topic where the
1: yeah so and there are um, God there are a few I nothing I mean one that looks really cool is was it the was it the PBY
5: the Catalina yeah I mean the, the nice thing about those that and there's the um, the Bushmule V two which uh, I think you can get floats for obviously both being twins it means you don't get the props in your in your FPV feed which is quite nice um, but apparently that's very tip stally. I don't know if anyone's had an experience of it, but...
1: Uh, yeah, that's heard. the problem with the, the planes, uh, f- things that float mm-hmm. is that in the water, if you don't land them quite right, they end up flipping over and the motors yeah. get wet and, and electronics get wet. So you kind of... Yeah, just Mark, at-
0: you... Yeah, <laughs> this, the, this stuff with these uh, trainer-style planes is something... Uh, also Glenn can say something, because he just recently published his new video about his line first line-of-sight experience, <laughs> line-of-sight training.
3: Yeah. Uh, I've been really interested, actually, for the people that are in the audience, to for people to tell me who has flown FPV and then line-of-sight rather than the other way around, because I think it's probably more unusual. I'm not sure, uh, because I, I got into the hobby through drones. Um, FPV, never flew line-of-sight ever. And then uh, I decided to buy a flying wing. And, of course, it had to be FPV from the get-go, because I couldn't fly. Uh, And when I discovered INAV and found out there was something called auto launch when I was made in heaven, I didn't need to learn line of sight. Did I? Of course not, because I just program the plane and off it goes. And it's just like a quad. Um, So um, uh, three years later, after flying planes for three years, I realized that line of sight flying skills are absolutely essential um, after a number of video transmission issues and having to land into trees. Um, (laughs) <laughs> so uh, I decided uh it was actually when I went to Germany um, one of mark's friends um invited his I think it's his dad isn't it mark that, that basically runs the flying club uh
0: he his dad is uh I think ma- uh, main uh, member of the flying club yeah so he's in okay. he's one of the leading members uh but yeah he he started uh, so Andy itself he uh, started uh, like five years uh, with with the age of five or six when he flew his first line of sight uh, glider. So he really grew into it.
3: Right. So he, he invited me and Mark to go to the club, which was just amazing um, for me. He even had a tarmac landing strip, which I just buzzed with the AR wing at low level all day. <laughs> But it kind of gave me a a kind of an insight into the fact that in this hobby, there is certainly two factions of people that I've never come across before. These guys were, you know, flying planes. You know, the idea of technology and auto launch was completely alien to them. and in fact, today I went to my flying club. So long story short, I, I fell in love with this flying club in Germany. It was a little bit too far to travel at weekends. So I <laughs> so I decided to come back to the UK and looked around for my local flying clubs. And I've been, been able to join one. I've been accepted after three visits um, and they've let me in. Uh, I did tell them I flew FPV. I did tell them that outside of the club, I fly outside of line of sight. I fly long range and I do things that I, maybe I shouldn't. I never fly above the ceiling in the UK as much as I want to cloud surf. I I can't where I live. There's too many, there's too much air traffic to the oil rigs and there's a local airport. So I don't do that. Um, I did that in Germany, I think 450 meters. It was amazing. It was like, it's like being on the moon, looking down back at the Earth. 450 uh, feet.
0: All good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah sorry. I, I forgot
3: you. Yeah. The metric system and the UK system. I got you. 450 feet. Yeah. That often happens when you go to Germany. You get confused between feet and meters. Sorry, Mark. My, my bad. Um, so, um, I came back to the UK and, okay, I'm going to join a flying club, so I, I joined the well, tried to join. They said you have to come and be vetted to occasions. I told them the truth and they said, what you do outside of the flying club, we don't care about as long as when you're at the flying club, you obey the rules. And I thought, wow, that's great. I've got a group of people here that are understanding. I'm the youngest member of the flying club, which is quite interesting at 57, um, by about 10 years. Um, And I've met these guys and what I've learned from them is there is something else in this hobby that I've not seen or experienced, and I've been watching this guy fly this plane 3D, and watching these guys do aerobatics, and the level of skill is is off the scale. I mean, it, it's I could only aspire to want to do that. So, I'm almost there. I got I've got this. Oh, yeah,
1: nice. it's a, 1100 it train- oh, it was trainer train- 3s trainer star. Okay, yeah, cub. Oh yeah, yeah. There we go. It looks, yeah, yeah. It's a little. It's kind of like the um, kind of like a smaller version of the Apprentice. It's really nice. A little, it's like a little Cessna model. Yeah. High, so high wing. Yeah, it's perfect.
3: Yeah. So I've been flying that around, and I had my first session last Friday, and I filmed it. Um, and I've never been. You know, it was it was more scary than the first auto launch three years ago, to be honest, um, because <laughs> because I could see what was going on in three dimensions, whereas when I was in the goggles, I could only see the sky. Um, so yeah I, I've joined this club and um, yeah the difference in technology and so today I agreed to meet the uh, the guy that's training me at the club just the two of us were there and I said would you mind if I flew my wing as if you spot for me because he said I can fly FPV at this club as long as I have a spotter so I said okay. would you spot for me he said yep sure so we, we, I'll go to the flight line and i hold the wing and uh, I put my radio on the ground and I click I, I arm it I click it into return to home. I'd spoken to Mark earlier and set a safe home a little bit further because I can't go behind the flying line. Of course, it's against the rules, so I have to set a safe home which is in front of me. And uh, I flick, I flick it on, arm it. I click return to launch, and I power up and I throw it. And the guy goes, "No, the radio, the radio, the radio! Pick up your radio!" I go, "No, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's fine." And he had no concept whatsoever of auto-launch. He had no concept whatsoever of loiter. <laughs>
1: you a of people. <laughs> and he's
3: screaming at me to pick up the radio. And I, and I pick up the radio and I'm, I'm flying the plane. I put my goggles on and I do a few passes and a few loops and a few rolls across the flying field and I come into land. And he said to me, how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so I'm, I'm, i've learned from you know from going to see mark and uh, going to that flying club i've now been introduced to this other world and these two different worlds are almost kind of running side by side with it seemingly not that much integration um but that's only my experience i don't know what other people's experiences
1: no oh, yeah yeah that's uh, yeah we have um I'm part of a flying club, but it's mostly, which is strangely got me back to line of sight planes as well. Um, and it's nice, actually, your plane has wheels on it and I've never had a line of sight plane that had wheels on it before, but they actually have nice grass here and I can land on it. So I started off with a Bixler 3, now i got this um, Tundra and it's pretty much, it's all I need real, realistically, maybe one other plane at some point in the future, but it, it's, Line of sight, though, you're absolutely right. It's, I mean, I can tell you from practical experience. One time I set up my AR wing, and I didn't realize it, but I set my video transmitter for 25 milliwatts. And so as the plane took off, oh, the, you know, so Mark's going to tell his return to home story, uh, where he's at 30 centimeters. Um, I'm at some point here. <laughs> Um, by the way, Mark, somebody wrote in and we asked what level of ex- expertise you are with iNav and the guy wrote in and he said, um, well, my return to home is set for 30 meters, not 30 centimeters. So I guess that pretty much makes me an expert. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, I, my return to home was somewhere about 1,200 feet. I mean, and it was like the clearest day I've ever seen. So the plane takes off. I put it into return to home because I couldn't see anything. And then after a while, you know, even though it was flying above me, I couldn't see it. And I took my goggles off. I look up and there's this little black speck in the sky, which was my AR wing. And it was about 1,200 feet up. And I had to, like, manually land the thing by myself, bring it back down. Uh, no help whatsoever from the VTX. And so I got it back and I was really, really thankful I was able to learn how to do that. I guess... If you ever get yourself in that situation, all you have to do is uh, take your goggles off, point the plane down, and when it gets within uh, a few hundred feet, you can put your goggles back on. And, uh, but yeah, uh, there's so many times that, I mean, basically where I fly is a public, uh, I fly at public parks quite a bit, and people are really quiet. They'll come by, and walk right behind you with their dogs. And, you know, you look out and you say, you take your goggles off, you look around, there's no one there, and then you put your goggles back on and then you come in for landing and there's someone with their dog walking right in front of where you're going to land. So that's why I always land with a line of sight. And it's just yeah. one of those skills, definitely worthwhile. Um, so yeah, 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 that sounds good. There's, um, so Mr. Floop, um, <laughs> uh, we, um, so you've, um, I find this really interesting that one of the things I was thinking of is that, I mean, realistically, there is, you know, Glenn's kind of talking about There's all sorts of aspects to the RC hobby uh, and the guys who do know how to fly, line of sight really well, the 3Ds and all that other stuff, absolutely amazing. But the one thing I was looking at was like pretty much was the hierarchy of where people get into aviation. So it starts off where a lot of people with a radio controlled plane, a line of sight plane, But this is like going back 10, 20 years ago. And then they say, I'm really interested in this, and I get a general aviation license. And the next thing you know, they're working up for a commercial aviation license and joining the airlines. Um, And as of right now, uh, as you kind of alluded to, it's really expensive there, but it's expensive here in the United States Mm -hmm. um, to uh, get a general aviation certificate. Um, One thing I was checking out was NASA was working on getting... um, what they call UAVs you know which what we fly uh, um, that they actually did and ex- for the first time with the blessing of the FAA here in the United States they had an actual um, FPV flight and it was done with you know using the control towers and everything else like you would here in the United States and I guess it was A little bit more than a guy on a radio. I guess they had, it was like an an authentic cockpit and stuff like that. Do you see the hobby evolving towards that where you're actually, you know, you're actually flying quarter scale planes that are exact replicas using replica cockpits at the flying, like at an airport uh, in a hangar somewhere?
4: Yeah,
5: I I guess it's a a tricky one. I mean, coming out to the line of sight things is, Um, Glenn was saying there's these two worlds that run very much parallel I think there's also there's there's the three really because you've got the amateur light plane aviation you've got the FPV pilots and you've got the line of sight pilots and how long have been people been flying FPV and line of sight side by side without mixing (laughs) Um, so I think it's going to take time and that surprises me that um, there's I mean I am speaking to a few people that fly at clubs and you mentioned FPV and they you, you, they suck the breath in and they're like, oh no, it's the dark art of flying. <laughs> but what surprises me is how many people give up flying because they can't, they can't give up flying line of sight because of their eyesight. Mm-hmm. And they're generally you know, older pilots. Whereas if they transition to FPV, they could keep flying for another 10, 20 years.
1: Yeah, and the other thing is we get a lot of people who join the group who... Um, were line of sight pilots, actually no, actual general aviation pilots, but they can't pass the physicals anymore. They yeah. had a stroke or something like that. And so they want to get into FPV so they can get back to flying once again and get the experience. Now, you found the experience. You say it's more rewarding than general aviation. Absolutely. I mean, um,
5: it's the freedom of it. I mean, I love um, just exploring from the air. And as I was touching on before, this is my lockdown hobby and what kind of got me back into flying and, and especially fpv um was you know you, you told you, you have to stay at home for, for six months and you can't go out um <laughs> but you're allowed to go for a walk and get your daily exercise at least in the uk that's how it was right. so i thought well i want to explore a bit more because you know as soon as you cooped away you want to be free <laughs> so being able to stick on some goggles throw a plane in the air and just explore the countryside from the air was was fantastic and yeah, you know, the places that i mean i've lived here for you know where i am now for uh, t- nearly 10 years and i just found so many more places that i never knew existed um just by being up you know 400 feet <laughs> and cruising around <laughs> okay. um which you can't do if you're in a real plane you, you've got to you're either doing circuits or you fly from one airport to another. Um, whereas with this hobby, you can, there's so much more flexibility. If you wanna go aerobatic, you can. If you want to set a waypoint mission and do that, you can. I mean, it's one of the things I quite like doing, you know, on a, on a Sunday morning, nice and early, is I'll pack up all the long range kit and I'll take myself up to um, the hills nearby uh, with a deck chair and a mug of coffee. And I'll set a waypoint mission throw the plane in the air and of course i nav does its thing with auto launch so i don't even have to do that (laughs) um i'll flick on waypoint i'll stick some music on the headphones and just enjoy the flight i don't have to do anything i can just enjoy the scenery relax with some music in the air there's nothing that really compares to that as a hobby i think
0: (laughs) and in in the in the absolute perfect case you then have a pen and tilt so you can even look around maybe like Darren yeah. is currently working on his own uh, head tracking. And uh, yeah, you look around, uh, enjoy the scenery, make some HD footage. Um, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's absolutely great, yeah. I love that's, it. It's great. Speaking you
1: know, of Line of Sight, um, there's somebody who has who graces both worlds of FPV and Line of Sight. That's Darren. Darren actually has some really neat Line of Sight playing. So Darren, your two cents on the two worlds.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um... I mean, I'm in a local club as well and you do see, you see people who are interested in both sides and you see people who, I know someone who flies line of sight but wants to get into FPV at some point in the future because they think it's amazing and then you get other people who have no interest at all like uh, there's a guy at my club who won't even fly electric it all has to be either nitro or petrol or turbine he won't touch any electrical powered stuff at all or foam <laughs> so you do get you know both sides and like likewise you get fpv guys who have never tried line of sight don't have any interest in it um My personal point of view is, you know, people who aren't trying it are just missing out. You know, give it a go, and you might discover something you really enjoy.
5: Absolutely,
3: so it is. In
2: anything, it's always important to keep
5: an open mind, isn't
3: it? I think, I think for me, Darren, um, what I'm really looking forward to when I become competent is flying my wings, line of sight, and seeing them in the air because the only time I ever see my wing in the air is when Mark's flying it or when I'm watching Mark fly. And uh, there is something kind of awe-inspiring about seeing an aircraft actually in the air with a complete line of sight view. And I mean, I've never seen that until recently or flying with Mark. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. And um, I mean, most of these planes behind me are like the sight. there's a couple of FPV. and all these up here are all just line of sight. I mean, the FW 190 is what the one that Mark or Steve was talking about earlier, where I've put the pan, tilt and lean into it. And I'm just finishing that off. So hopefully next weekend I'll be able to try that, which I think I'm going to have to sit down for that one. It's, I'm going to be really <laughs> disorienting. Yes. It's got yes. the lean out as well. So, yeah, um, it'd be interesting. Oh, it's just um, a land line of sight.
0: There's just a comment in the in the chat uh, from Embedded Fabrication. Forget about line of sight with those rings. It's not fun. Uh, I have to disagree here. I mean, of course, if you keep the rings with their black foam, it's uh, very very hard uh, or near to impossible to uh, fly them fly them line of sight if you don't have the uh, the complete muscle memory uh, already. But uh, just give them some very um, very bright colors, like uh, like I did with my Speed AR ring. One ring is green, the other one is red. Uh, on the top side, I have two big stripes, and on the bottom side, I don't have them. So I always know where the right side, where the left side is, where up is, where down is. It's absolutely no problem. And if you are if you are getting if you get used to this specific plane and you know how the rates are, how long it takes for a full roll. You get a feeling on uh, how far you actually bank in one direction and uh, you just build up muscle memory so you can basically close your eyes and fly a full circle open them and the plane is exactly where uh, where you expected it. Uh, it, it's just pure uh, building it's completely just building skills and at the end i mean there are people flying mini quads even three inch mini quads line of sight and rip around like crazy uh, it's pure muscle memory they exactly know if you move the stick in that direction for that long the the quad or the plane or whatever we have exactly that position and that's what you uh, really have to learn and speaking of quads by the way we, we, i mean we have another uh, another side of the fpv hobby or in in general of the rc hobby quad pilots and it's really interesting when i started with the hobby um, like Uh, like glenn i uh, i directly switched into fpv i never flew line of sight before i tried uh, one or two times with the 3d printed uh, spitfire but uh, had not much luck until some uh, guy on um, on the flying field showed me uh, showed me how to fly line of sight or at least do some circles and maybe a looping and that's it and um but I started with rings, I started with airplanes, so every time I fly in our seaplane line of sight, I fly one or two mistakes high. I, I have really big problems to fly low. But <laughs> just today I had the uh, honor to uh, see how a quad guy who never f- ever flew a fixed wing before uh flies his first fixed string flight so i brought my uh zero drift with me because it's the easiest flying plane i have uh, i just said okay pitch r- uh, pitch roll yeah pitch roll throttle as on your quad you don't have yaw just throttle up if the nose points up throttle down if the nose, po- nose points down and then do some circuits i even programmed this noob mode in iNav, and that worked Really well, by the way. So I was—it it was impossible to go down. It just pulled up, and then it, um, uh, the pilot w- was uh, given back control. That was uh, working really well. So yeah, he—he he said it was really hard at the beginning for him. Uh, for him, uh, even the landing was a little bit tricky. Uh, but it worked. So he was flying successfully, and then the second flight. I said, "Yeah, let's let's just take the uh, turn off the noob mode." and uh fly around and fly a little bit lower and yeah this little bit lower was basically like 30 centimeters <laughs> 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 i was already scared by it he, he really was flying the drift like uh, okay realistically it was maybe 50 centimeters above the ground and completely gliding li- like you would fly a quad yeah he was exactly flying it like a quad very low uh Tight turns, all that stuff. He was not as fast as uh, as before, but he has he has just uh, in his head this proximity flying. Mm. I don't I don't have that because I f- barely fly quads at all. And if I fly quads, then usually to chase other planes, high up. And um, yeah, it, it, it's completely different how people approach that, depending where they come from.
3: Did you say thirty centimeters, Mark? That's uh, was he not in Return to Home by any chance?
0: Uh, <laughs> 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 it's a good one eh? <laughs> no. sorry uh, by the way by the way speaking speaking of um, of altitudes uh, I know Darren has made a, a, a nice pull request for the configurator he started to add convert converted units behind the fields where you input the altitude distance and all that stuff <laughs> Uh, just today, my uh, my friend Andy was testing waypoint missions on his AR ring, and he was he was complaining that his I N F is tuned so bad that every every time he tries to make the mission, the plane goes in a dive or goes up or whatever, goes totally crazy. Um, I flew it, so the first time I was very close to waypoint one um i enabled the mission mode so waypoint 1 was hit then it climbed to 90 meters to waypoint 2 and then suddenly it dived again let, let me check that mission yeah waypoint 1 was at 50 centimeters waypoint no, uh, waypoint 2 was at 90 meters waypoint 3 was at 90 centimeters and then the whole rest of the mission was at 90 centimeters altitude and in the mission planner, we have a converted unit in meters behind the uh, entry field. So, Darren, I think uh, it was waste of time, it won't help.
2: <laughs> but uh, it, 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 ultimately, it, it needs people to actually check what they've put in there. You just <laughs> only ever do what you tell them to.
4: Yeah,
0: absolutely.
5: I had an interesting have- one the other day. Um, have you ever flown and landed completely instrument flight rules?
4: no no, no la- neither la-
0: <laughs> landed not yet but uh, i have flown my plane manually back in instrument flight yeah
5: i um i was flying the other day and some fog came in um complete white out you couldn't see anything on the camera i could hear the plane i couldn't see it um and i i had it connected up with uh, mission planner so i could see the artificial horizon home direction and everything so um I thought well, I've got to bring it in, it's either kind of come in, in one piece or in a million pieces as long as I can recover some of it, it'll be fine. But I was thinking it's a lost cause. Um, flew it back in, it was, looked like it was lined up from a ho- for, for home. I thought I'm not even going to bother with the camera or anything or using the goggles, just literally on the artificial horizon. And I could hear it getting closer and closer and then probably about 15 metres away out of the fog came this Alba bird. <laughs> About a meter off the deck, I cut the throttle and brought it in. But it was amazing. I must have flown for about ten minutes just on the instruments, and uh, the heart's going dum dum dum.
2: <laughs> so is this oh, why you yeah, put those yeah. really bright lights on there now?
5: <laughs> no, no. Well, no, that was the other one. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, it was it was camouflaged as well. It's, you couldn't see a thing. But um, it was it was it was a different experience. Um, not one I necessarily want to repeat, but um, it was a thrill anyway, because that's why we do it, isn't it?
1: <laughs> so, Darren, I've I got a question to ask you. Um, since we're talking about conversions and stuff like that, you, when you set up an OSD, you get the choice. One choice, is, is it going to be metric or is it going to be imperial? Me? So, Mine's going to be yeah. UK. <laughs> <laughs> What i was wondering is it possible in the future to make it so that you can set one osd screen up as metric and another one set up as imperial
2: no nah, no nah, it wouldn't work but also what it wouldn't really make sense
1: because from a pilot's point of view you're used to what you are used to yeah but the problem i run into is like i'm right i i fly metric because everything about rc to me is metric the weights the measurements everything so i keep it metric but you're flying with a guy and he's like, How high up are you? And I say 160 meters. He'll say, How high is that in feet?
2: So, The, the easiest thing to do. Times
0: three.
2: <laughs> that, or you can send the telemetry back to your transmitter and set your transmitter up to use um, feet. And then That's you just a have a, a screen on the transmitter.
1: Okay. With the awesome. Telemetry
2: values or uh, switch to read them out. Okay.
1: Be the uh, easiest one. That'd be the easiest way to do it. Pretty cool there. Awesome. So, yeah. Um,
2: But Just to go back to the flying wings thing and Mark saying about um, you you build up a muscle memory. The last time I flew a flying wing line of sight was mini AR wing. Oh, God. And I was testing multiple rate profiles. (laughs) So I had one with a maximum bank angle of 60 degrees, another one with 45 degrees. So there's no muscle memory there at all. yeah uh, it's, it worked it's, fine it was great
0: it's, it was all, also t- totally crazy when i when i flew the uh, alpha strike um but I, I had to be really carefully uh and i think in line of sight i never flew it actually uh, in 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 manual mode and that was a good de- decision not to do it <laughs> just today i flew in manual mode with full roll input just for one and a half or maybe two seconds and it was spinning up and it went fast on every rotation <laughs> you can already hear uh, the uh, how can i explain that how you if, if if you have a if you have a helicopter and imagine the plates of the helicopter fell off and spins through the, through the air uh, totally, and going totally crazy this was how the plane sounded like it was spinning so fast i c- couldn't see the ground anymore so if i would have tried that in manual mode on line of sight i would have i would be totally lost <laughs> that's absolutely crazy
1: so we got like about uh, 14 minutes left of this first hour and I would like to hear about Glenn's visit to you if we can finish the hour off and then in the next hour we can get into all the neat things that Mark has gotten into and Darren and uh, we need to talk about iNav, 3.02 coming out as well so oh and also some of these new planes because that we were talking about there's a about five really interesting planes that have come out since uh, the beginning of the year but Glenn um You got this big Pelican case and you filled it up with really high-end UAVs and you took it to your local airport. And what happened?
3: Um, Well, I I got this case and I put a a Dart XL and uh, an AR Wing Pro in it and uh, no lipos and tools and radio. And I went to the airport and um, first of all, took the case to the normal baggage check-in and they said, that's too big. So they sent me some of the place. and the guy asked me what was in it. And I said, it's got planes in it. And he said, yeah, you're joking, we're at an airport. I said, no, no, it's got planes in it. Um, And uh, so he said, okay, fine, no problem. uh, And it was checked in. So there was no real problems checking it in at all um, at the UK airport. The only problem was that um, I missed my flight because I was delayed going through security and I missed my flight by six minutes. So I had to go and get it back. from baggage reclaiming. It's, it was at that point when they asked me what was in it, and I said, well, it doesn't matter now, does it? Because it's not on the plane. <laughs> 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 and uh, they made me open it at that point um, to let me take it home, which was quite strange. Um, they allowed it on the plane, but anyway, um, I showed the guy, there was nothing in it. I think he was concerned that there was lipos in it. I don't think they're like, you putting lipos in the hold of an aircraft under any circumstances. So, so I had to drive to another airport. Um, and catch another flight at 6 o'clock, which meant I should have been at Berlin for, I don't know what time mark, about 10 o'clock in the morning. And I didn't get there till 11 o'clock in the evening.
0: So, yeah, I, I think it was it, uh, it was around short before 11 p.m. when uh, I finally picked you up at the airport. Yeah.
3: Yeah so I had to buy had to buy another flight pay another 100 pounds for another week's car parking at another airport and dry, and drive i don't know uh, another 100 miles to the other airport but of course I had a return ticket to the first airport so when I came back I had to fly to the original airport and then get a train to the other airport to get my car which was a bit of a bummer so the, the travelling was a bit of a nightmare but um, yeah when I got to Germany uh, there was no problems at all and um, we just got through it in the back of Mark's golf and went back to mark's apartment and it it worked out really well so first you had to
0: you had to push me because my battery was dead yeah
4: yeah so when i got to berlin airport yeah that was a funny
3: thing we got to berlin airport it'd been quite a stressful day obviously and uh jumped in mark's car and he turned the ignition key and it just went (laughs) so we had to push him through berlin airport to get it going um but it was it was good fun and uh yeah so what what kind of that I mean the whole reason why I flew was because um, the Netherlands where I can get a ferry from the UK and drive through the Netherlands to Germany was closed uh, completely to UK residents so it was either a drive through France and drive all the way down the south of France and then cross the German border which from where I live in the north of England that's quite a drive it was about a thousand miles so I didn't want to drive a thousand miles so I flew um but uh it really inspired me because now I realize I can throw this thing on a plane. I can go anywhere. So I'm going to be badgering you guys for a visit. <laughs> can I please come there? Can I please come there? Can I please come there? Because I just want to travel around the world. Um, now COVID's over and just meet people and fly planes. So um, hopefully America might be my next uh, port of call. Um, so uh, I want to fly a desert. You know, I, I've seen all these guys on the right wing nation um, flying, you know, Mini drags across the desert. I don't want to do that, so that's uh, one of my uh, on my bucket list. So I want to do and that.
0: I, and I think it has a good side effect because uh, in the, in this case, because you only have that one box to put your stuff in, you can really finally decide what are your best and most important planes to bring with you. <laughs> you have <laughs> to is. be picky.
3: This is true. Well, I just thought we're going to do long range missions. So I need to die XL. Am I going to be doing some like proximity stuff? And I just, I think the AR Pro is probably my favorite proximity plane right now for flying low level and just doing, you know, fun stuff with. Um, so we, we did we did a bit of everything really. Um, in my Mark's videos and my videos, people can see. The only one I haven't put up yet is the Flying Club one, which I'm going to put up because that was really, really good fun, the Flying Club. Um, yeah, it was, it was a great week. Um, I think the only time it was uncomfortable flying was when we flew the lake and got attacked by a million mosquitoes. And that was, I don't know about you guys, but when you're flying FPV and there's mosquitoes all over your hands and all over your face, I mean, that has got to be the worst part of FPV. You, you know, you're you, you just getting eaten to death. And that, that was pretty uncomfortable. But no, the whole trip was amazing. And, um, you know, um, Mark learned so much during that week, didn't he, Mark?
0: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and- and mm-hmm. I learned that my mosquito uh, repelling spray doesn't work as good as I hoped.
3: <laughs> if only the airstrike had come two weeks earlier, there wouldn't have been the crash.
0: Yeah, it, because you, <laughs> you, you would have controlled it. Yeah, sure.
3: <laughs> I could have checked all your iNAP settings for him like I did all week, and he would have been okay. <laughs> yeah, you help him out, make sure you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I really had to look after him because, you know, some of the settings on his iNAP
4: Oh, horrible.
3: Yeah.
2: After the thirty centimeters, we can believe
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and 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 then we found these these strange INAF uh, board pitch alignment of seventy degrees off. That was, that was totally crazy. Oh wait, that was not my plane. <laughs> oh yeah. No, yeah
3: that, I don't know how that happened. How can you? How you, you, you've got to type that in, haven't you? I mean, you,
0: I have no idea. Maybe, maybe you wanted to type one point seven or so. <laughs> I, I
3: think it's something to do with INF 3.0 before they put the point one well on the end. I'm sure that that auto level thing put my pitch alignment out by.
0: 17 degrees it doesn't adjust like my 30 centimeters i was absolutely certain that i put in three 3 three <laughs> thousand.
3: yeah but well, yeah. yeah flying in germany was amazing and uh yeah I, I mean i i did i did 401 feet which is my record uh it was great uh i loved every minute of it and i'm looking forward to you know flying in different places uh, maybe next time when i go to germany maybe we can drive to the mountains, because where I, where I live, I think it's probably similar to, to to where Krunk lives. You said you had some hills, but I guess they're just hills. I want to, yeah. I want I want to fly mountains. I want to go yeah. to snowy peaks and dive them. That is something that Mark's done um, in Austria, and that is definitely something I'd love to do.
1: You can visit Christian Mo. He lives out in Norway, and he he knows mountains pretty well. I don't know how far that is from where you live, but it's uh, it's a lot closer than where I live.
3: I'll PM him, I'm sure.
1: I think Scotland
5: is <laughs> quite nice as well. I mean, I wouldn't mind flying around
3: there. Yeah, I'm heading up to Scotland, actually. Uh, I was hoping to do it this year, uh, but it's going to be in the spring now. So I love the west coast of Scotland, and I've spent a lot of time up there. And uh, some of the flying spots up there, Crunk, I mean, just off yeah. the scale. Like locks and mountains and, oh, man. Yeah, so next year it will be uh, uh, a bit further afield. Mark?
0: Yeah, just a quick question in the chat from uh, Caroline Tyler RC. Um, does the auto level modify the board pitch? No, it does not uh, modify the board pitch alignment. It just um, modifies the angle of attack in self-leveling modes. So this is spe- uh, specifically only uh, like like if you pull the stick back in self-level modes all the time, it's basically just a trim for that. So the plane uh, keeps altitude better. It does not uh, adjust the board pitch alignment. Oh, cool.
1: Yeah. If you have questions, feel free to just type them in. We'll get to them as we can. So that's. Uh, um, uh, so did you uh, bring back any cola beer?
3: I, I, I drank far too much beer. Uh,
1: we went out. For, we went out for a meal. We <laughs> drank lots of beer.
3: <laughs> well, they have all these scooters in Germany, Mark City. Like I don't know whether you, you have them in America, Steve, but basically little electric scooters parked everywhere. Oh, yeah. You get, you oh, get yeah. an app. And basically, you, you you scan the
1: app. <laughs> Mark's busting up. There's a story so, here. What's going
3: on? So, so I, I, I I wanted to go on one of these things. I kept saying to Mark, can I have a go on one of those? And he's not, not today. Can I have a go on one of those? No, not today. Can I have a go on <laughs> one of those? No, not today.
0: Okay. <laughs> like a little child. It was so crazy.
3: <laughs> so we, we go up. We, we, he takes me out for a meal with um, uh, Chris, one of his friends, and um, got pretty drunk. And then on the way home, I said, can I have a go on one of these? He said, yes. <laughs> so, of course, I fell off it on the tram lines. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I did eventually have a go up and down the street, and then the tram lines were very wet. And the scooter, I tried to do a big, like, quick, fast turn, and the back wheel caught on the metal tram lines, and I fell off. Then he said, "That's it. You've had your go," and made me put
0: it away. <laughs> 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 and then, and, and then he, he really I mean, I I, bo- I had the app uh, still on my phone, so you, you book them by app, so they get unlocked through the mobile network, and then he, he was he was driving the street up, and then he was coming back, and I said, okay he, he did his round, no, he rushed by at full speed <laughs> drove in the other direction and I said, okay, let's do uh, let's let him do another round then he turned around <laughs> then, uh he, he, f- he, uh, he fell off the scooter, uh, my uh, my best friend, he, he told me that he fell, I didn't see it. And then he, he came back, he drove another round up the street, and okay. then he came back again, and then I said, okay, now it's it's okay, I think it's time to stop now, we have to go home. It was, it, it was so funny.
3: The, <laughs> the funniest thing was, when we got home, I mean, we, we'd gone to the shop, me and Chris, and we'd bought some more beer, when we got home, Mark had left, What did you leave in the restaurant? Uh, my my bag. He left his backpack in the restaurant, so he had to get on the scooter and get all the way back to the restaurant. <laughs> Gosh.
1: <laughs> you still had an hour left, right? Or 45 minutes or something by that point? Oh,
3: that it was, it was...
1: Even by the hour. Hey, yeah. Mark, you know that um, they're not really expensive. You get these jumper cables that hook up, especially to an XT90 connector. Um, I find them on eBay for like 8 or $10 and you can always keep them in the car with you and then if you have a if you ever have a dead battery a problem with the battery is dying you just take one of your uh 4s batteries especially if you have one with an xc90 connector on it and it fires that car right up
0: yeah that, that's what i actually did so before uh, i mean the first time my car battery was uh, was dead uh, i really left the lights on uh, overnight so uh, of course it was empty so i used just a 3s lipo connected it to my car battery start the car and everything was fine and i thought it was just because the light was on but later as i said uh, when i was getting uh land from the airport i realized that even if i i drove 100 uh no what was this 200 kilometers or 140 kilometers or so and even then I tried to start the car and it, it wasn't starting anymore. So the battery was definitely dead. So the, fir- the first thing after the first night uh, when Glenn was uh, was with me uh, was to go to the car shop and get a new battery. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it would, that would have been a nightmare if we, if we are outside in the flying spot somewhere in the wilds uh, on, a, on, a, on a field track and uh, suddenly we can't start the car anymore. Hmm
1: yeah oh that's I mean, how about the tires the tires still good in that car because this is a used car right
0: yeah the the tires are still on uh, it, it's fine it, it's crap it's it's a, a lot of uh, scratches and dents and whatever but it brings me from a to b and i i don't care if i go the fear tracks uh and hit some deep holes or what whatever it just brings me where i want to go
1: and that's great. And that's one of the things I mean, when you we first met, um, Mark has financial issues that were not caused by him. But uh, if you know the quality of his character, he's a stand up kind of guy and he took it upon himself on his shoulders and he really kind of suffered for like the last few years. So getting a car was like a big thing for him. But at work, he's doing really great. And um, especially he didn't really speak English very well at the beginning and then he got promoted because he speaks English so well now. Um, and you just um, a technical kind of guy. You work for Dell, and level two support, level three support? Level three. <laughs> level three support. That means the first flunky you talk to, after you get tired of them, you say, put me up to level two, and then you talk to someone who knows their <laughs> stuff a lot better, but when you're like, wait a minute, you don't know your stuff well enough. I need to talk to Mark Hoffman. Get Hoffman on the phone, and then you go up to level three. <laughs> level three yeah. is
2: control, alt, and delete.
0: Unplug
1: <laughs> <laughs> the computer. Plug it back
0: in. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the funniest thing is that my that my direct boss, my team leader, is from Ireland. So uh, yeah, <laughs> sometimes I still have issues talking with him.
1: <laughs> well, the, the British have problems talking to the Irish sometimes. So some uh, some of their accents are really thick, right? Yeah, or yeah, Scotland in particular, right? they're just kind of I, I i cannot make heads or tails other conversations in the scottish it's just sometimes so thick um but yeah good luck to you on that all right so we are at the one hour line right now so what we're going to do is we're going to take a 90 second break and we're going to come back we're going to find out what mark has been up to as far as he has this project that he's working on both mark and darren have these big planes they've been working on so mark has got his maiden when Greg was, uh, Glenn was out there. And so we're going to talk about that and his plans with Pilot and all this other good stuff. So we'll be right back. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. We are going to find out now all about Mark. Mark, you have a new toy you'd like to share with us?
0: Uh, Yes. Depends on what toy you mean from the many ones I have now. But well, I think, I'm I, think about I know what to do. Say again, please.
2: Not the one from the exotic website. <laughs> the exotic?
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I think I think I know uh, which one you mean uh, right now. So let me switch camera. So yeah, uh, that was my project for this week to uh, maiden the Zohd uh, Alpha Strike. A lot of discussions with Henrik about it. <laughs> especially in the aina fixed stream groups because of the rig servos and uh, aerodynamic issues he saw and all that stuff uh, but yeah finally today i was able to make a successful flight and successful landings um, i throw three batteries through it and it was a lot of fun really a, a lot of fun <laughs> it's not as agile uh, to make tight turns like uh, other planes like the AR ring or the uh, dart 250 or whatever but um, for the power setup it has it is really really fast and the the best thing is because it's so stable uh, especially on the pitch axis I mean everyone knows that uh, delta rings especially uh, tend to wobble on the pitch axis all the time and this one is really like an error it's completely like on raids you see something tiny roll movements uh, due to some wind turbulence uh, but that's it uh, i think that was the first time that i was flying uh, below view line uh, close to the ground so i was basically uh, yeah skimming the ground at one meter altitude and 160 kilometers per, per hour directly over the grass and over the landing strip uh, yeah, that was really a lot of fun. But I realized I need new batteries because all the 4S batteries I have for this size are basically dead.
1: <laughs> so what? Uh, how much? What's the all upgrade on that plane?
0: The all upgrade with uh 2,600 milliamp hours uh, 4S is uh it was 741 grams roundabout, and I think with the 2,200 it should be around 700 grams. I have not measured that one.
1: So it's like an AR wing, about the
0: weight of an uh, AR wing. It's a bit, li- a bit lighter, I would say. Even even okay. a bit lighter. Uh, with the the Speed AR wing I have, uh, okay, it has some lemonade on it and a beefier motor, even beefier than this one, uh, as, uh, at least from, from the size, um, it's about 900 grams with the same battery. Okay, but, okay. but 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 uh, but on the other hand, I have to I have to subtract fifty grams because uh, on this speed AR wing I use an uh, action cam in the nose. This one is really FPV only, no HD cam. Uh, pure flying fun. what's Can, the wingspan, <laughs> wingspan on that? Oh, that's a good question. Now you got me. I have no idea. <laughs> I think no, it's, those, it's, no it's, it's wingspan, six eighty like or nine. No, nah, it's it's smaller. It's, I think the wingspan is six eighty or six seventy millimeters or so. So it's longer than its wingspan. It's really complete uh, jet design. So you can see here, uh, now I fill my whole camera screen, and here it's longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, it has rig points, uh, as some reviewers already have seen. Oh, by the way, the, 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 this is definitely uh, a cursed plane. It's absolutely cursed because uh, I think half of the people I know crashed it on maiden flight. But every time was something else. So it was not the plane's fault. The plane flies great as long as you follow the manu- manual and put the two to three millimeter uptrim in there. Um, but uh, after that, yeah, I, as I said, I had the problem with the uh, receiver uh, that uh, had its antenna too close to my VTX, and the telemetry, when the signal got weak, uh, killed my VTX signal. Then the return to home, home altitude at thirty centimeters. Then killed the plane. <laughs> I have another friend uh, who forgot the uh, up trim, so um, he had. The, he, I'm not. I'm not sure about the up trim, uh, but he smashed it three times into the ground before he was finally able to maiden it with my launch settings. Um, then we have uh, Painter 360, who. Um, on purpose, did not make uh, put in the uptrim, and he regretted that uh, after the first throw, I think. <laughs> and yeah, a few other planes. Uh, one pilot was just flying too low, and it smashed into the ground. Um, yeah, it, it's difficult. It's definitely not a beginner's plane.
1: So yeah, wh- where does this fit in? Who is this really designed for?
0: Um speed junkies I would say <laughs> Spe- uh, people who really like to fly fast but not excessive like 300 kilometers per hour uh, high speed 15 kv uh, 15 kilowatts big drags <laughs> uh, how this... did you get out of it Mark? Um, unfortunately I cannot tell or I cannot say specifically specifically for the stock setup because I broke the prop uh, on the crash landing, and uh, today I tried a 5.5 by 4.5 prop, so a little bit smaller, but the same pitch, and I reached around 160, 165 kilometers per hour, but interestingly, uh, then I put on a Gemfan, um, f- um, 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 Gemfan, something, flow, whatever, uh, with 6 inch diameter and 4.8 Two inch uh, pitch and i reached the um, claimed 185 in wow. level flight but on dive it uh, on dive it was actually a little bit slower than with the other prop because then the pitch was missing on a, so on, on a dive i think with the stock prop you should reach around 220 225 kilometers per hour and level flight uh, 185 is realistic with the stock pnp uh, prop
1: so this is kind of like, the it's the market for the FunJet. The, the people who like want a FunJet, this is their kind of a ZUG version of it. Mark's muted. Mark, unmute yourself. Oh,
0: sorry. Uh, no, sorry. I no, w- I wouldn't say it goes into the uh, FunJet area. I think that's, that's a different uh, type of flying. The FunJet is made for acrobatic uh, ripping around, especially with the vector control, uh, like Henrik will, uh, wants to buy one. Uh, so, so it's really a line-of-sight optimized plane, the Funjet, uh, really to do acrobatics and all that stuff. Of course, there are people making really high-speed uh, killer setups um, with some slight modifications. Uh, but this, I would say, is somewhere in between. It's, ju- it's just for flying fast on a straight line. Because on pitch, it is really slow. It, it's really slow on pitch. You're, on full throttle, I think it needs 100 to 150 meter uh, just to make 180 degree turn yeah. on full pitch input. Um, it it rolls like crazy, but uh, it's nothing to uh, do any kind of acrobatic. But if you like to fly really low, really fast, you can put an HD camera in here, like a split cam or one cam hybrid, uh, and you want to have a stable plane even in some wind. I think then this is really perfect. It, it's somewhere in. A niche corner i would say okay interesting
1: so this isn't for everybody but this is a, a plane if you if this appeals to you that this is lights you up maybe like the race quad pilots the guys who like uh glenn who've come to us from race quads um who want something that's low to the ground and fast this is a good plane
0: yeah so for pro- proximity flying it's actually really nice as long as you have uh, relatively straight paths, of course Right. It's not like uh, flying slalom between trees.
1: Okay, yeah. That, not for shooting the gaps then. Yeah. Um, so this is a, a plan that came out. It, I, this just came out, I'd say, in the last month or so? Uh, th- uh,
0: this month, actually. Uh, I think the first units were shipped last week. So mm. they basi- basically when when I got my review sample, uh, I think one or two days later, the first orders from Banggood uh, arrived. The buyers.
1: So, yeah, that kind of reminds me, so this long nose plane, it kind of reminds me a bit of the Dolphin, which also, I believe, came out this year, or maybe late last year.
0: Yes, I think the, with the Dolphin, it's a very similar category, but uh, the Dolphin is not made that much for speed. It is fast, of course, uh, but not for uh, that kind of speed, actually. Okay. I mean, yeah. uh, the, the, the downside uh, is... Um, with the plug and play setup the airframe itself is basically already on the limit so the plug and play setup is really made everything to the edge the uh, servos are on their limit they are sm- only small uh, 4.5 grams uh, plastic gear servos uh the elevons are pretty flexible as you can see so, mm. and in manual mode, if you do a dive, full throttle, a full throttle dive, and you go over 200 kilometers per hour, you will feel how the elephants flex. Because then if you go full pitch up, you feel that it just doesn't want to follow, really. So yeah, if you want to go faster than plug and play, faster than 200, you have to do some modifications. That's okay. for sure.
1: The, uh, one of the other questions something that I've been wondering about, because we do see planes come out all the time in the group. Um, and it seems like in the last six months that the way I look at it, it was like the binary It was the first one to come out—the Sonic Model binary, which is that first twelve hundred millimeter to fourteen hundred millimeter uh, dual uh, tractor-fed plane that came out. And then there was the Alba Bird. And then since the Alba, the Alba Bird was some for some reason tended to be the gold standard in that particular format. It was the one that everyone aspired to be. But we got a few other planes that came out, like the uh, Dragon 2, uh, Reptile Dragon 2. That was also a twin. And all these other planes that came out, I don't know what it is. Nothing has really caught on. Have you guys, I mean, there's one from the same company that made the Dolphin that Gal was posting every day about. It it looked like the um, air loader. It was kind of like a square looking like the air loader. The Airloader
0: was from Ishii. The killer whale, was
1: that? The killer whale, Yeah, yeah, that's the one.
0: It's a bit yeah.
1: square,
0: isn't it? Mm. <laughs> I mean, the 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 killer whale uh, looks looks interesting, uh, but it's more. I think it's more for flight time than flight distance, because uh, they they say it's a long range plane, as far as I know. Uh, but even Ishin says the air loader is a long range plane, uh, but actually range comes from uh, efficiency at speed. So what matters for long-range is covered ground per battery and not covered flight time or, or, or reached flight time by battery. And, um, I mean, j- just to put that in perspective, if I uh, use... A good example was when uh, Glenn was here, we did the long-range flight. The uh, DOT .XL, for example, it's a very slow cruiser, 60-65 kilometers per hour. Nice cruising speed. Uh, I think that that's basically the uh, the, the peak of its efficiency uh, on 4S uh, with the stock setup. Uh, but then compare that with the uh, AR Pro that pulls the same power but flies 80 kilometers per hour. Of course, it covers more ground. And then just today, I was really surprised. I used this little fella, I smashed it around with 50%, 70%, 80% throttle. Uh, 120 kilometers per hour minimum all the time and then i landed i disarmed and it said 130 uh, milliamp hours per kilometer i mean uh, the the, cl- the clouds has uh, about or my x uav clouds has about the same <laughs> milliamp hour per kilometer rating <laughs> the only difference is of course i can put uh, 10 times the battery in there yeah yeah
2: <clears throat> it's all about uh, the casting speed, and they're getting the most efficient speed for power yeah, um, for absolutely. the airframe. And the thing with the Alba Bird is pretty good with that. I mean, it's quite a sleek shape. And the other one is the, of course, the Crosswind Mini. Which, I mean, um, I, I was speaking with uh, Adam Glenis the other day, and he put up a video of his, and he was on hundred milliamp hour per kilometer. But he said that he was actually not flying that efficiently at all. So it, that's a really efficient airframe, especially for its size.
5: I think the Crosswind is, is the gold standard for that. I mean, the Alba Bird's, I'd say it's a mid-range plane. Um, it, it, you can fly it very efficiently, but you won't go anywhere fast unless you play with the winds. Um, the other one I've been looking at is the MFE Striver, I think it is. Um, MyFlyEasy, which looks quite similar to the um, Crosswind um that's got some quite interesting little bits to it as well it's got like a parachute hatch and it's really set up for mapping and that looks like a very efficient plane i don't have anyone flying it though so i might have to try and get one of those
2: a surprisingly efficient one is actually what you've got on your shelf up there the goblin yes that can cover ground very quickly quite efficiently um we can't fit as much battery in there but it is a really
1: efficient plane I look forward to building that one. (laughs) So, Darren, did you get your hands on the uh, Dragon 2? Yeah, I've
2: I've done a bit more work on it. I've I've decided that I'm not going to review planes anymore because I'm too slow at building, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I've put more work into it. I just need to sort out the flight controller and then it can sort of all go together. But most of it is sort of there.
1: As I understand, that's kind of a really heavy plane. The all up weight on that is it takes quite a bit of it's like close to between two and three kilograms. Um,
2: I don't know. I mean, the actual foam itself isn't. It doesn't feel overly heavy, but it's got a big area in there for battery, so no doubt it could be loaded up with a lot of battery. I hmm. mean, I've got a, a 10 amp hour 4S LiPo that I usually use for field charging, and that just swallows it up it's there's loads of space
1: so and then you also got your hands on what it was like an e-sheen plane but it looked kind of like the drift
2: oh yeah yeah the um the razor razor actually yeah. just look at the box <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that was i know some people enjoy it but i was a little bit let down it's all right line of sight but fpv just didn't really do anything it's the problem was on 2s it I, I was flying it on a a reasonably calm day um, on a FPV and it just wasn't going anywhere. I just felt like I was quite high on the throttle and just took forever. Um, 3S was fine, but that um, resulted in the prop exploding and pulling the, mo- the nose off. Um, but yeah, um, other people get on with that. But to me, I think if I was going to use the razor, it'd be just line of sight. It, you don't notice the speed problems so much there. And it was, yeah, it's quite a relaxing plane. So I think, I mean, Andrew Newton likes it for sloping and line of sight. And for that, it's, it's pretty decent. But if you FPV, different prop because that prop is crap. And 3S, which um, has a problem with space.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say something, and this will make Henrik really happy. So, Glenn, um, when you are looking to get yourself into line-of-sight planes, if you want something to fly out in the field that you don't have to go to the flying club for, um, we have in the United States, we have an app called uh, Offer Up. I don't know if you have that in the UK. I don't think so. Anyways, it's a, basically, it's like eBay, except it's free. And people locally will list all the stuff they have for sale. So, you keep your eyes out for something called the... Um, Easy Star, it's made by Multiplex. So it's a German company. Uh, so the Easy Star one, this is an old one. It was a complete all-in-one kit. It came with a set of high-tech servos in there. And it is essentially, it's like the Bixler, except that it doesn't have ailerons. So it just, like the Radiant, it just uses a rudder and elevators. And um, it, I believe, has an EPP foam wing on it. So uh, the thing is, extremely it's the one plane i can say you just go out to a big field where you don't have any trees around and you throw it and the thing just flies and it flies forever you just need like 1500 milliamp battery you'll fly for 30 45 minutes on that battery um it is just really the best plane to fly in line of sight the other thing i would suggest is if um this is get yourself a simulator now there are some good simulators like made by wings um if you can <laughs> say something
2: you don't want to fly an easy star. you want to fly an extra it's more fun, <laughs> I've,
3: it's already, fun. I've already got set my, my eyes set on something um and i did find out today at the flying club that the plane that i've got is not going to be any use to me for passing my a certificate because it's not heavy enough so you need to have a plane that is at least one kilogram mm-hmm. so i'm mm-hmm. looking at the fms 1700 millimeter super cub because um, I really like look oh, at these.
1: Great these yeah.
3: tor- it's got big six and a half inch foam wheels, and I, I really like this kind of this kind of bush plane look. So um, I'm uh, I'm going to go for one of those. But I'll certainly check out that Easy Star uh, if it's going to be if something can that can, can be it, yeah, it can be you fun can also- to pl- play in small places, maybe like football pitches and stuff like that. So.
1: It's, it's it's a really easy plane to fly. I mean, that, I think a lot of people got started with that plane, and it's it, if you crash it, it's pretty forgivable. You can also get yourself if you can find one. You can find if you can find a Bixler one, or version one point one, one point one point one version two. I believe it's what they yeah they the little green and white ones, uh, and just leave the elevon uh, the uh, ailerons off and just fly with the you know, rudder and elevator, and that would be essentially a very similar plane. Um, But also, the other thing I suggest is if you can get your hands, uh, I know you can, um, on, um, it is the the, the, the real flight. So they have 9.5. If you get that, then what they have is they're made by Horizon Hobby, and they have like about 20 models that they sell from Horizon Hobby, including some of their higher-end models. the benefit I have, and this is one of the reasons why you want to join a club if you're into line-of-sight planes, is because the guys get sick of them really quickly, and their planes, they'll fly them, and then after about six months, they'll crash them a couple times. They'll sell them off for like half what they paid for it. So if you want to fill up your house full of planes, that's the way to do it. You just come <laughs> to one of these local clubs, and they're always someone selling and You know, Like now the Draco, that was the plane to have at like about – three months ago that was everyone wanted that plane now everyone's selling these things off just left and right um, that's that is a huge plane so anyways i um, sorry about that
0: So Mark, I, 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 I have to say uh, I really still love the uh, the I think it's E-flight uh, the Tundra uh, or in general the t- Tundra serious uh, especially the, the the big Tundra I think it has 1.7 meters uh, ring oh, yeah. or so and if I remember correctly, I have to look up the uh, data sheet again. Uh, you can run this thing even on 6S and do real serious acrobatics with it. And I mean, uh, a plane with 1.7 meter wingspan, such a big and heavy bush plane, and then doing acrobatics like uh, tight loops and all that stuff, I think this must look really, really impressive. I know a guy here in, uh, here in the city um, who actually has a Tundra, but I don't think, that he has the grand one. I think he has the standard, standard and a mini. Um, and he som- sometimes does some acrobatics, and that looks so cool. I mean, maybe it's just because I know that plane for so long now, uh, and I always wanted one. And every time I had the a possibility to get one, uh, it was sold out.
1: <laughs> I, I gotta tell you my tundra story. Um, I originally bought the tundra um, two years ago. It was version one, and I bought it, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to show up, and it, I'm getting this message is like, it's showing up tomorrow. So it shows up on a Saturday, and the box that comes in is probably about four feet tall, three and a half, four feet tall, so it's a pretty big box. But Hobby King ships it in a six-foot box, so it's about you know as tall as I am, and the thing shows up in my front door on a Saturday, and I'm like, oh my god, my wife is going to see this and freak out, so I, I picked this box up. And I walk around to the side of the house and went through the garage. And as soon as I opened the door of the garage to like sneak it into the garage, I feel the door opening from right to, uh, from outside my hand. My it was like oh I, I had to let go, and there she was. And she sees this huge box. She's like, "What the hell is that? You have too many planes, <laughs> so <laughs> I had to sell it off." And this time I actually had to. Um, have something in my flying club. I sent it to his house and had him build it, and then brought it home. So this time the you know the box isn't so big and everything else like that. But yeah, the Tundra is a um, it, it is a a really good plane. It does fly on 3s twenty two hundred, but I found that to be that the it needs a lot more ballast. It just felt like it was when it was in the sky. It was just kept gaining altitude. Uh, the other thing about the Tundra is that the foam wheels on there are. They're okay, but if you're really serious about it, then you have to spend like thirty dollars a wheel and get the really nice ones. Um, but that will change the way that the weight, the weight of the plane itself, and the undercarriage and stuff like that. So people who get into that plane tend to really get into it, and I don't know. Um, but you said the, the, the Cub, the FMS Cub, or was the one that you were talking about? Yeah,
3: the FMS FMS uh, seventeen hundred millimeter Piper PA Super Cub.
1: Super Cub. Yes, yes, Super yes. Cub. Yeah, they show up at that flying field. That thing is amazing. So uh, it's about, what, $400 for that?
3: Uh,
1: $299 in, okay,
3: in, the, in, the, in the UK. It's about £240, £242.
1: That's worth every penny. It's just really—I mean, if you're into that kind of thing, it, you're going to really enjoy it. I've seen the guys fly that thing, and it's just a great plane. So, anyway, uh, Mark, you have a plane that um, I really wanted to talk about, which is the clouds.
0: Oh yeah, uh, my big beast, and I—by by the way, I already found a name for it. Um, it will be called Dotty. <laughs> the reason oh, for this, Dotty. Dottie will yes. be the name for for the clouds. Uh, the reason for that is: uh, ha- Have you seen the uh, movie uh, Armageddon? Yes. With the asteroid and the uh, and that that old guy who fo- who found it first, and he said, "I wanna uh, I wanna name it after my wife, Dotty." Um, I don't know what he says in English, but in German he says, uh, she's a hinterhältige Giftschlange, die einem das Mark aus dem Rücken So Basically, uh, she's a she's a nasty snake uh, who uh or, or or poisoning snake uh, uh who sucks the uh, you the sucks out your bones or whatever <laughs> uh, <laughs> <That's> what <happens. laughs> so yeah uh, that's why i call it call it dotty and um yeah i mean a lot of people uh, watching the stream right now might have already watched my maiden video it was in german and english um by accident this plane is an absolute uh, power beast so uh, it's it's completely overpowered Um, more than five kilograms of thrust i really have to measure it actually Uh, but it should be because it, it it's just climbing vertically at more than 20 meters per second vertical (laughs) so uh, I can I I make one throttle punch uh, let it run for a minute or so and then I'm in the I'm in the clouds already Um, my current uh, project is to try to run it on autopilot Um, the main reason for that is just to have INAV and autopilot both set up and save the configuration so I can switch forth and back as I want just flash the other one and load back the config uh, to compare both and maybe for some uh, very specialized tasks i uh, might need autopilot in the future so i want to have that set up unfortunately i was not able to do the autopilot test maiden today uh, because of a lack of time but uh, yeah it's my first twin motor plane uh, the biggest plane the heaviest plane um, the first one with pen and tilt um, what else? yeah and, and the first one i really have to disassemble to get it in my car.
1: <laughs> so why did you want to get this in the first place? i mean you're, you're into like a lot of the small planes
0: i, I haven't seen you really fly anything
1: over a meter in the past.
0: yeah in the past the reason was that uh, i had to carry my planes to the field of course. Uh, now that i have a car i can uh, transport it wh- wherever i want and i can uh, transport bigger planes. Um the main reason for the clouds is uh, first of all I want to uh, have more long range capacity. Um I think the planes with the biggest range I have right now are the Telen GT and the AR in Pro with somewhere between 100 and 110 kilometers total battery range and I of course want to upgrade that. Um yeah, that w- that was the main reason. And uh, then I also want to look into things like uh, area mapping, for example. So the plan for the future is to uh, design self-design some kind of dome or retractable dome camera in the bottom. The clouds has an, uh, an cut out in the bottom of the in the back of the battery uh, bay, where you had just have a very thin foam wall uh, at the bottom uh, inside and ring already cut out from the inside and usually you can put like a compact system camera or mirrorless camera inside there it's exactly the size of one of these uh, lenses uh, to make aerial photography from top down Uh, but my plan is to uh, design some kind of mechanics uh, to have a retractable camera that's going down and then with a split cam, like a one-cam hybrid, one-cam split, uh, or Cadex to have a pen and tilt with the 360 degrees and 90 degrees up and uh, down tilt, so I can basically completely look around below the plane without any uh, part of the plane in view to make uh, aerial fo- uh, photos and videos and all that stuff. Hmm, interesting.
1: Right, so you're 3D stitching with that, and you got to nice 3d topical map awesome I, for, great example. And, for and, example
0: and 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 another use case will be uh, just to test some stuff uh, on it like um, i just printed Wait right a second i think it should be some uh, i think it's over there somewhere on the on the desk <laughs> uh, i printed some kind of uh, removable mast with a with a with a channel inside uh, that goes on the flight controller hatch and uh, the plan is to test like different rc systems like uh, i want to do range tests with the r9 with the fr sky system maybe with express ls <laughs> oh. <laughs> and they uh, and b- basically put the receiver and the antenna on this mast every time in exactly the same position high above the plane uh, without any obstacles in the way and then uh, just fly the plane out under real conditions. I've seen a lot of uh, range comparisons where people put like uh, receivers or flight controllers on a drone or on, or on a ring, just to look when a phase safe occurs or when the, when the tele- telemetry stops. But I want to do real life tests um, with comparable antenna positions and really fly the plane until phase safe. And that's uh, one of the reasons or one of the use cases I plan with, with the clouds.
1: Okay, interesting. You can also put on like um, one of those mirrorless cameras or a 35mm camera, one of the better ones, and do some like really good high-end video with it.
0: Uh, yeah, maybe, but uh, actually uh, I'm not into this kind of area photography. I, of course I could, but I don't have even the camera like that.
1: <laughs> the idea is those big wings. Um, that was the thing that I learned from doing the... Uh, all the write-ups, all the 21 planes that we reviewed this year, the people, the reason why the people liked the big Skywalker was because eighteen hundred millimeters was that it flew very stable and people were using it for high end videos and things like that. So your plane would probably be even better for that.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, uh, it's also important if you do uh, things like area mapping that your plane is really stable and not shaking around. Because uh, if you look down vertically and you just have a slight roll shake, the camera image will oh, yeah, go yeah. crazy to the left and right. Um, and the same for pitch and the clouds is really absolute rock solid. Even if you have some gusts or some windy conditions, it's, it's so solid flying just because of this ring span and i have very big and beefy motors it's 2814 motors with 900 kv they are heavy i have big 12 inch props uh, and due to this widely distributed mass uh, because the motor pods are so far apart just gives so much stability it's it's impressive the first time I uh, i made it we had about 20 to 25 kilometers per hour winds uh, from the crown you couldn't see it at all it was completely on rails and if you look the uh, if you watch the video you can see it's just slightly when when there are course corrections in cruise mode also uh, but yeah it flies like on raids
1: so are you going to want any more large planes in the future like
0: anything else uh i have no plans on on anything else in this uh, size class yeah i mean I'm, I'm totally happy with it right now the the only thing i really or this uh that that's really annoying on the clouds is uh, really the foam i hate that stuff um it's like very dense styrofoam very wow. dense cheap styrofoam like, like it feels and you see every single scratch even if i put it in the car i have to be careful not to put the rings uh, on the top of the fuselage with the uh with the uh, push rods touching the the fuselage because everywhere they touch you have small dents or scratches in the foam surface and they keep everything if you if you push it with your finger you have a dent in there and it will stay it will not spring uh, go back like uh, with EPP or uh, other Chinese foam so people are people are often uh, complaining about this uh, cheap EPP stuff from China but actually it's the most robust we have at the moment
1: (laughs) Well, I know, we can't get anything else,
0: but yeah.
1: um, so there I wanted to ask you one other thing and that is switch gears really quick um, for iNav, uh, there has been an update in iNav to 3.02 and obviously if this was a huge update we would be discussing this, um, it would be like first and foremost iNav 3.02 is out and what you should know about it. Is there anything that stands out to you at iNav 3.02 is it just a maintenance update?
0: You're muted again. There you go. I-, I muted me when I started to talk, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely nothing interesting uh, for most of us. There are, I think, f- th- four or five new flight controller targets that were added, uh, that were just released. And uh, I think it was um, telemetry for 1LC link system. Yeah, there's there
2: telemetry was- for Jetty, a couple of targets, and a couple of configurator changes don't have boxes anymore they're all gone
0: yeah so 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 the biggest change was on the configurator side on the flight controller side it's only interesting for people flying with yeti uh, yeti radios so yeah
1: <laughs> oh, yeah those are really high end were those made i thought they were thought they were american but they're actually made in germany or somewhere like that
0: I don't know. I, uh, aren't these, these radios that start at around 1,500 euros for the cheapest ones? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that
1: sounds German. <laughs> no. The guys at my flying cup's got a
2: Jetty, and even secondhand, that was expensive. But they still fail. <laughs> uh, he bought a brand new receiver, put it in his model, set everything up, took it to do his Acer, tried to fly, but it wouldn't bind. And he had to send it back and get a new one. So, Eve. Even you spending two grand on a radio, you still have issues.
1: Now, one question I have for you, Mark, uh, is the um, the where, when you were trying to get information about autopilot, you were starting to hit a wall with some of the information. You're getting people volunteering,
0: helping you out. Uh, Steve, do you want really want to get down this rabbit hole? <laughs> well, no,
1: I, the reason so so. here,
2: it'd be more fun.
1: <laughs> yeah because yeah, oh no it's not so bad yeah no, no but but seriously the reason i'm bringing this up is because um you know i is more of a hobbyist thing but we actually have really good documentation i would say on our side and that's well no <laughs> like 50-50. i mean
2: half, half the stuff on the github is a bit out of date
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: so we do have failings too
0: I mean yeah. uh, let's let's be honest uh, when when you set up an enough plane uh, the all the core stuff is covered on our website for wings at least not for quads but for wings uh, we have how to wire it up. We have uh, we, we tell how you uh, set up your mixer, your board direction. Everything the basics are covered with a step by step guide with an explanation why you do it. And I think that's that's the thing that really annoys me most. Uh, all the guys, uh, guys, uh, all the guides you find uh, even on the um, on the autopilot uh, website. Um, it just says, okay, you can set this option, this option, this option, this option, but nothing explains really why you do it. It just says do it. Do it that way. And then it doesn't work.
2: And yeah, and
0: and then you start to look into uh, community pages or forums. I mean um, how many steps do you have to make to set up a flight controller you flash the firmware okay that was easy there are enough guides videos about that no problem i already did a live stream about flashing an f405 ring with autopilot one and a half years ago so um then you put it in the plane you have to adjust the board orientation okay i found it out took me a few minutes everything was fine you connect your receiver and here the nightmare begins. I use F port. Oh! I think um, after after half an hour or so and not finding a solution and not getting it to work, I made a community post in the autopilot user group. And while this post was on and some people were uh, giving advices that made no sense, um, it took me another one and a half hours looking in the Guides and looking search and looking sometimes in the copter area of the guides uh, until I was able to get uh, F port working by myself. So, in total, two hours of work just to get my receiver to work. Then the next thing was uh, servo directions. Okay, with my radio, everything is in the right direction. Then I put it in fly by wire A, like we, we do in, in, in INAV. Uh, we say put it in anchor, angle mode, then raise the nose, look what the control surfaces do was inverted so how do you fix that then someone in the community page said swap the tail servos so you say the left one is the right one in autopilot and the right one is the left one because then you switch uh, or you reverse the pitch direction but not the yaw direction it's completely counterintuitive because for me it's a dirty way to do it <laughs> you just say autopilot they are uh, the Give it the wrong direction, basically the the, the wrong servo uh, assignment. So I did that. Uh, first, it was fine, but then on my radio control stick, it was inverted. Then I f- I, I went to the Telegram channel of uh, autopilot users. That's uh, from uh, Shelly X Y Z, who was already, uh, in the past an uh, INAF Core developer, who is now developing on uh, developing autopilot yeah and uh he's uh and i asked him hey is it still necessary to invert my pitch axis because on every single craft no matter if it's a fixed ring or a multi-rotor you have to invert your pitch axis and no one knows why that was introduced in the first place and you still have to do it so yeah and this goes on for every single step um and at the end, the last uh, big thing I had to do was VTX control and ESC telemetry, um, because at the end, serial five is UART five on the flight control, UART uh, eight on the flight controller, and serial eight in autopilot is UART five on the flight controller. So I basically in software I swapped VTX control and ESC telemetry, and was confused why nothing of both worked. <laughs> So yeah, but that that was fixed in the end. I get RPM now on my OSD, but my uh, ESC temperature is uh, at 238 degrees Celsius, and I don't know why, but I just ignore it now. I don't want to get this thing fly.
1: <laughs> it's insane. Alright, so we learned not to do that. The um, the one thing I, I saw was in the past week, I battery on my uh, X9D Plus SE died, and so I just wanted to know what battery to use so go to google type it in and there's a video from darren and not only does he tell you the battery to use but actually shows you all the steps how to do it and he he doesn't really want to plug his channel super much but there are so much information that you give out on your channels and uh darren and so i really first want to thank you for all that i mean there's just the information is useful and things that are about iNav and things that aren't about iNav. And I've even asked him, I've done requests, hey, can you make a video about LED lights and he made it and, and things like that. So it's been really helpful, but he also has a web page and uh, you can you work on like tools and converters and things like that. And you have a new one that you're working on right now as far as OSD, right? Uh,
2: yeah. One sec. I do actually need to bring up my website because I can't remember what half the tools are. <laughs>
4: um,
2: so yeah, I've, I've basically um come up with a few different tools that are there to help with Inav in general and yeah, you know, just
1: to give right. back so to the a voltage hobby. converter. The one that you're giving the right range so that your your um it displays the right. How much battery you have left on your flight controller? You have to put a number in, and sometimes it's off, and you have to. You have the steps. You wouldn't work on that left. Oh,
2: you like current current sensors? Yeah, yeah. Let me see if I can
1: share that. Be
2: easier. Um, So yeah, I've I've just got a load of stuff in this uh, tool section. Is that okay, Mark? Uh,
0: Yeah, just give me a second. I will. Yeah, share the screen. Now it works.
2: So yeah, just under this useful tools, there's a a few different things. Um, The iNav stuff has all got iNav in front of it. Um, So one thing I did the other week was stick commands um, because these were on the iNav website but they were actually old cleanflight ones, some of them and some were missing so I've actually replicated it but also you can choose whatever mode you use and it will update and give you the correct stick commands for whatever transmitter mode you use. Um, There's some cheat sheets as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's useful. Um, There's current sensor calibration because a lot of people have issues with that. So it, it tells you how to go through all this and then you just fill this form in and it will give you the correct current sensor scale and the offset, which using the old method, you don't really get the offset. And it's a bit more accurate. Um, There's a buzzer checker, which I won't click any of these. But if you've got a buzzer sound in INAV, you don't know what it is. If you click the links, it will actually play the noise. And you can put in your own code. That's mainly for developers if I want to write a new code. So they could put a code in and play it just to see what it sounds like. But yeah, all (laughs) these are the standard INAV uh, beep but yeah i won't click one <laughs> uh, and the one i wrote this morning is the osd switcher tool Um, uh, i know charles is in the chat and he said he was saying you can do it in notepad you can but if you've got elements in the osd you want to copy into um, and they're not on the first one it will keep them it's not a proper copy so with this, you literally just choose the OSD you want to copy from the one you want to copy to that. You can choose a copy, which duplicates OSD, well, this one onto that one. You can swap them. So it swaps them round. You can add, which is basically doing what a notepad copy would do. So it'll copy these elements onto this OSD, but will keep any additional elements that this one has, oh, or just- you can move, which will move that one onto that one and then make this one blank. And you literally just take your diff, uh, so you can use diff or OSD layout in the CLI, doesn't matter which one, copy it in there, click update, and you'll get your new OSD code. Just as
4: oh, that's uh, sweet,
2: just I haven't actually got any code to put in there, but um, it will give you a cl- copy of the clipboard button. So you just click that, put it in CLI, press enter, and it's done. So yeah, there's some things in there that people might find useful. So I, I just thought it would be nice uh, to share that with you guys. Okay, is- can you
1: also give us an update on, because um, I've been keeping track of this. Um, this is going to be a bigger topic here, I think, in 2022. And that is FR Sky is really going to be pushing the ethos very hard. Um, to the point that you might start seeing some other stuff disappearing in the future. Um, so what uh, have your experiences been with ethos? you Have been keeping up on it?
2: Um, I have, but mainly for line of sight. There, there were a few things missing that sort of didn't really make it suitable for iNav. Um, in the last update, which was about two, three days ago, I think, That those things were then put in. So I can start looking at it from an FPV point of view as well now. But also I know that there is a lot coming. So they're, they're looking at a really powerful sort of global uh, variable sort of system. Uh, with a lot more options than OpenTX, I, I don't yeah. think it will get rid of anything. So I, I you know, I don't see OpenTX going anywhere. I mean, no, I, no, no.
1: But FR Sky might be you know, starting to phase out some of their OpenTX radios in the future.
2: Possibly. Um, I mean, it, <coughs> it depends what they do with their new radios. I mean, uh, they're investing obviously in Ethos, so it would make sense for them to put it onto new transmitters, but um yeah who knows it might be that they come out with like a qx7 replacement they see it as really low budget and they don't want to invest the money into updating ethos to work with that transmitter so maybe they'd stick i don't know stick open tx on it but it for for their point of view it probably would make sense just to use ethos um but it is getting to the point where it it does work as well as OpenTX. um and yeah, yeah line of sight um I've basically switched over to it um but that's the plan I'm going to use the x20 for line of sight and gliders and I'm going to keep on using the Horus for FPV and I'm going to keep that at the moment on OpenTX um I will be installing EdgeTX on it at some point just to see what that's like and if it offers anything different um and I will be installing Efos on it just for the purpose of doing a video. But I will be definitely switching back to either OpenTX or HTX. Uh,
1: um, it's Just kind of give you an idea what, what uh, things of interest. There's um, the, the little my Sunday flying field. It's a, it's a high school in the right around the third baseline at the um, other side of the field is where it's the area of death. It's where everyone who flies Spectrum somehow noses in and lands right, crashes the plane right there. They lose signal right at this particular area. And I've done some research in the area and found out that there's actually uh, telephone poles where they actually have 2.4 gigahertz that communicate between the telephone poles so that they can feedback information. One of them obviously is connected to a wired LAN and so they can feedback real time data usage of in the area that's been screwing up the the signal especially in spectrum um and to be honest, that's yeah. not hard <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, at, you, at you the know. club that i fly from if someone has a radio problem i can guarantee 99 percent of the time they will be flying spectrum right um and i'll, I'll have no issues at all
1: <laughs> right. And, the, you know, the thing is, we say, OK, yeah, first guy is so much better. You can get this and it will work. The second you show them OpenTX, they're like they're, their eyes are just watering over and like, and, oh, no, it's not as hard as it looks. But, you know, there's a lot of tools in OpenTX that they don't need. And so the whole idea about Ethos was that it was supposed to be kind of like a cross between the spectrum Menuing system and OpenTX, so it was simple at first when you look at it, but actually kind of complex underneath the skin.
2: Yeah, I mean they. I mean, what you're talking about there is probably more for line of line of sight guys. Yeah. Um, Which, yeah, I think they've succeeded at that because the wizards are really good to build a new model. So you can go through and it'll just do everything for you, and that's. That includes um, stuff like throttle, um, throttle, or was it, yeah, throttle to rudder mixing, flaps, elevons, crow braking. All that is sort of built in with these custom mixers, where you really just click a couple of buttons and it's done. Yeah. Uh, but That's I think nice. with that range of stuff, the thing where it really shines is actually the, the transmitters and the tandem side of things, and to to an extent um the access side of things where you can have multiple uh trans or receivers hooked up to the same model as redundancy and yeah that's fantastic so like my big extra um i'm going to be putting at least two receivers in there so i'll, I'll have 2.4 and a 900 so i got frequency redundancy and you could hook it up with two two 2.4s and then a 900 you can have three receivers on the one model so you've got no chance of losing
1: signal especially
2: with petrol engines that's uh, something you sort of got to watch out for
1: yeah even i'm seeing that if you even have a momentary loss in uh signal it's just it, the plane comes down and that's you know i can when you're flying the planes that you know, Glenn's looking at in the future, where it's four hundred dollars up in the air, you know to start off with, and the extra two hundred dollars in upgrades and all the three D printed stuff he's going to throw into it, and, you know, you're really you're starting to, uh, and then you put your GoPros on top of it and things like that, then you're in, getting pushing a thousand dollars.
2: Oh, easily. I mean, I, I mean, the extra that I've just been mentioning, I I got that second hand, so I, I did get it. I got it basically for drag phone money, um, but I know to buy the kit on its own is about $700 and that's just for the, the airframe.
4: Yeah.
2: That's without the extra three or four hundred-ish dollars for the engine and the servos and everything like that. So, I mean, that's new. That would have easily been a sort of 1000 $1,500 plane. It was Solid. You, you don't I want anything an going in that. Yeah. <laughs> if you crash it, you want it to be your fault. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And that was uh, the other thing I was looking at too is like no one has really talked about I now for line of sight, but there's a possibility down the road here where. You know, the guys who fly, they want to be able to fly all their flight modes. They want to be able to use the radio trims and things like that. But the reality is, if you told them, hey, we can give you all the telemetry that you can ever want, and when you lose signal, it'll turn around and come back to to you, all of a sudden, they got their attention. But really, there's nobody. You would have to put it into, like, a receiver or something like that so that it would be simple for them to hook up. Yeah, I mean,
2: I I still... Personally, I'm not overly sold on Ina for line of sight. I can understand, like potentially for tri- the, the, the Nubian mode that Mark made with the drift, it would be quite handy for that. But uh, personally, line of sight, I just put in a receiver, yeah.
0: uh, no No. No matter what it is, Mark. Yeah, by the way, uh, speaking of reliability of the uh, our ceilings, I was a little bit impressed today. Um, Usually for quads, I use uh, just my uh, Tyrannus X Slide Pro with uh, RXSR receivers on axis. It's totally fine, totally stable uh, because I only fly my quads on short distance, a few hundred meters maybe. Uh, but some sometimes you get the low RSSI warning uh, still, especially on the uh, X Slide because the internal antenna, I use only the internal antennas. And if you fly behind you, then it gets some trouble. Um, my buddy was flying uh, the drift uh, with one of the RXS uh, RXSR receivers in, in there and he just flew behind himself on some good altitude, maybe 20-30 meters or so uh, 100 meters away and he got RSSI critical warning and then I flew the uh, Alpha Strike and just for uh, testing um, to make sure the RC ceiling is reliable I put the uh, Immersion RC Ghost in there with the Ghost Echo receivers, two antennas, diversity, like the same antenna pla- or nearly the same antenna placement as with the RXSR before, uh, I had it on auto power. Uh, it never went above above 100 milliwatts or so. I was one kilometer away, five meters off the ground. I barely had any video signal, but the link quality was nailed at 99 so uh, this really impressed me and i just used the uh, small ghost uh, uh, module with one antenna the big one has separate antennas for transmitting and receiving so it's even better for uh, for range and for uh, link quality Uh, but yeah this this ghost system uh, really impressed me i didn't had any uh, issues with that so far and that will be by the way the next one i test with the uh, clouds on rear range with a fixed transmission power and then see how far it goes.
1: And you're saying you're going to do a review on x um, express LRS at some point. <laughs> what what?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Darryl say something. Hold that up again.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just got hold it with two fingers just like, cuz it's illegal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, uh, I have uh, I have a hep I'm not sure if it's the happy model. I, I think uh, some people said the happy model uh, hardware is really crap in uh, build quality, uh, so bad soldering all that stuff. Uh, but there are one or two other manufacturers uh, also uh, offering uh, hardware. So I will just order one module, one receiver in a pair, nothing else 2.4 gigahertz of course only. No 868. Uh, I want to uh, keep that stuff out of the eight, of of the tight 868 band um but yeah i want to make some uh test comparisons with express LRS uh compared with the r9 and with the ghost uh to try how far it can go that's the actual plan and of course i will ma- use a receiver with an external antenna and not the one with the tiny coil smd antenna because that's only for short range anyway
1: and what's good about you is like you'll tell us absolutely what you think and I mean b- brutally honest about your reviews because what we tend to get a lot of is that we you know, uh, express LRS people tend to come in and there's a lot of rah-rah behind it and so uh, I don't want to hear the hype how well does it really work and so your reviews to be really important.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> I, I I do my best, uh, of of course. To be honest, I mean uh, everyone knows uh, how I think about express LRS in general. Uh, I tell it in the group. I have no problem uh, saying my opinion on that. Uh, on a, on the eight six eight band, it it is using a wider spectrum than it, it's a al- uh, it is allowed to do. It it's basically cheating on that end uh, to get more bandwidth to get a bigger range uh, with lower data rates. Uh, so but as I said, uh, the 868 band in uh, especially in the EU and Germany, uh, it's completely next to LTE bands and other um, public RF systems that are uh, in, in use. and I really really uh, I'm really really careful not to jam or disturb anything of that. so that's the reason why I refuse to use the 868. I could in theory because I have two, um, immersion rc goes modules and three receivers i could in theory flash them to express LIS if i would like to but then there's no way back currently so you cannot go back to the uh, original firmware and that's why i don't want to do that um yeah so uh, let's see how that goes uh, and i also want to uh, compare because that, that that made me really curious with the X uh, xlite pro it has internal antennas, but it has the option to put an external antenna on, and I want to see the difference uh, in range and link quality. How that goes? Perfect,
1: Darren. Um, one thing that I would say is that if you have a Horus, or if you have um, the, I guess yeah, it's still the, there's still a, the X12 is under the Horus name as well, the badge. Um, so. You can put on Ethos on there, though. Right now, is not really a compelling reason to get off of OpenTX. But you're saying for your flying, we we are doing line of sight, you would rather use Ethos. So you're going to put Ethos on a radio. If you were to have like an X12S, you would put that on there over. If you're using that for flying line of sight over uh, OpenTX.
2: To be honest, uh, not really. It does the. It's not really the operating system. It's just that that radio actually feels nicer. It's <laughs> it's nicer in the hand. So um, yeah, for line of sight, I'm I'm quite happy. I mean, um, I spoke to in the intro about I was flying a simulator for ages, which was all Glenn's fault, by the way. Um, <laughs> I was using that because uh, again, to use that with a simulator, you just plug it in the USB and it works straight away. It's. It, not a huge step away with OpenTX, but it, you just plug it in and it sort of works. Um, but yeah. Um, that's the
1: X20, right? That's, so that's, that's the X, X20S,
2: that one. Yeah, okay. um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 mainly just because the, the radio actually feels really nice and it's it's nice to work on, especially with the touchscreen and the keyboard. It just makes making changes a lot quicker. So yeah. Um, yeah, if I if I could put OpenTX on that, I don't know which I'd use. Um, but for for what it is, I I'm happy using that without, that and the other one with OpenTX.
0: Mark. Yeah, there's a question in the chat. Uh, I mean, it's a bit specific, but a good opportunity to show. Uh, Maybe Darren, we should, we should make videos about that. Um, you can share FRSky receivers with other FRSky radios if they use the access protocol, not with ACCST. And you do that def- uh, by this. You go into your model setup, you select your receiver and then you select the share option. And then the receiver will go in some kind, uh, oh no, the radio will go into some kind of pairing mode. And then you go to the other radio and just uh, go into bind without, uh, I think it's without registr- uh, registering. And then it will see the receiver and you just get the pairing over to the other radio. To get it back, you just uh, set it uh into pairing on the primary one again so do not register on the other, other one only go into pairing and that's it that's how you share the receivers in uh with the access protocol
1: so that's uh that's a wireless buddy box is what you're describing
0: no no you can you can temporarily uh, give the control of one receiver to another radio like an, a friend of you wants to try out your plane So you don't have to swap out the receivers, or you don't have to push the button to pair. You just temporarily share the receiver with the other radio. And if you want to go back, you just go on your radio again, go on, pair, power cycle the receiver, and you get it back.
1: Okay, so back in the old days, especially like 72 megahertz, what would happen is you would, when you're at the flying field, somebody, there'd be
0: a crystal, liquid crystal.
1: (laughs) Well, what they would do is you would have somebody, you buy a plane, and then you would have somebody take the plane up in a buddy box so they would be the master and what they would do is they would have control of the, of the plane and then after a few minutes when they have it in the air it's flying and it's trimmed and everything they would pull hold down a lever and then they would give the control over to the guy holding another radio so you know, the guy, the new pilot, would be able to fly it. As soon as he screws up, they let go of the lever, and you, you pull out of the the dive or the crash that was about to happen.
0: oh yeah. So, but but that's with the uh, that's the trainer mode, basically. You yeah. describe. Yeah, that's the trainer mode. So th- this is really sharing the receiver completely over to another radio. Okay. Without so without pressing the pairing button. Okay, so that's completely different then. Yeah. yeah it's just... that's a different thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cool if you want to fly a the
2: model with another ra- radio, basically. Mark, I was just going to ask Mark: Do both radios need to be on at the same
5: time?
0: Uh, yes, for the ju- just for the sharing, just for the sharing. After, After that, you can
4: that.
0: you can turn yours off, and that's the reason why I have set up my uh, X9 Lite Pro and the um, TX16S exactly the same way. So my OpenTX Pro model is modified that way uh, that I can use both radios for the exact same planes, and I can control all the features, even with the other stick alignments and uh yeah by that if i want to fly with the rafax for example and i don't want to take the big radio with me i just uh, at home quickly pair it over to the uh, uh x Lite and then i just take the x Lite with me fly, fly with that radio and i want to go if i want to go back i just go on the pairing mode in the tx16 again power cycle the receiver and it's uh, switched back to the uh big one so i can just switch the radios as as, uh, as i like it
1: and with access
0: this, this yeah, is yeah. only working with access so i can only do that with my r9 receivers not with my 2.4 gigahertz 2.4 gigahertz is only uh, on the X um, xlite pro with access okay interesting yeah it
1: makes that makes it all worthwhile man that's so fr sky is working on some interesting things uh, they've more and more it, 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 they were counted out for quite a while now they're starting to do interesting things they're starting to come back around um, well, guys, I think we one are... Step, Steve. Yeah.
2: <laughs> You're jumping the gun. I've got one more thing to talk about.
4: Uh-oh.
2: <laughs> so you, men- you mentioned INAV 3.0.2 earlier. So should we now talk about the fact that there won't be an INAV 3.1?
1: Uh-oh. Do you want to get let that cat out of the bag? <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> so th- this is something that I, I noticed probably a, m- not even a week ago. Maybe it's the beginning of this week. Um, basically it's nothing to worry about. There will be a new INAV and Pavel on his, uh, last, uh, live stream mentioned that it's going to be around possibly November time, maybe December or October, but likely November, uh, but it will be INAV 4.0. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, the, the reason for it is basically the way that the version numbers, uh, update have changed. So in the past, it used to be, if there were you know, really important new features, it would get a major bump. Um, lesser features would be a minor bump, and then obviously the, the final um, final point is just for bug releases. So if we take the version we have now, we've got three, uh, which is the main, major release, uh, point zero, which is the minor release, and point two, which is bug fix release. Um, what's happening in the future is it the way that these changes, or the way that these increment changes. So the, the the last point, which is the point two at the moment, it's always going to be bug fixes. So if that last number changes, is just a bug fix. Uh, you should be able to just uh, use your diff file and copy across. Uh, the middle one is going to be any changes that are not bug fixes, which um, how to put this don't uh, break anything. <laughs> So that sounds weird, uh, but basically we have the, the firmware in the configurator and they sort of talked between each other. And there, there are certain things set out which, if if they change, it won't work with older versions. So an example is when we went to 3.0, all of the adjustments were completely different indexed. So. Um, if you try to use the adjustments from 2.6 on 3.0, they wouldn't work. They'd be in the wrong order. And a few versions ago, we had the same with uh, flight modes. So you had to put the flight modes into a tool to convert it. So if it's if it's a change that will break the um, like the, the progression, so so to speak, it the will configuration
0: be a, compatibility, yeah. basically. So you cannot put a full diff uh, to the new version.
2: Yeah. So. Um, With this one, all the fonts are completely different between 3.0 and what will be 4.0. So fonts from 3.0 will not work with 4.0 and vice versa. So that's basically why this is happening. It may not be that you see major new features like we did with 3.0 with all the auto-tune and all that sort of stuff, but it's more to do with how compatible it is between the old and new versions.
1: I mean, other than artificial horizon fix, I, I mean, what can you possibly want? 3.0 seems to do with just about everything.
2: Oh, there's loads. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, I, I've, I've not really been keeping track on what other people have submitted, but just for what I've submitted, uh, for example switching profiles in flight has never worked. It's been on the adjustments list But if you tried it it didn't work. It's it there's nothing behind it to actually make the changes.
0: You mean the so, PID profiles? Uh,
2: well, it's not just PIDs. It's, uh, it's rates, it's filters yeah. um, that they, they just config profiles mm. um, As opposed to battery profiles. So you, you could change them when you're disarmed with a stick command But you couldn't actually change them in flight. So Uh, I've submitted something it might need a little bit more testing but it's basically there. Uh, What else? There's changes to return to home uh, which if you use uh, climb first will be a pretty good advantage. Um, There are the OSD changes so the the general aviation units are going to be in there which people have been asking for uh i'm trying to think what else
0: uh um, you're talking about 4.0 changes
2: right 4.0 yeah yeah
0: there might even be a change again to the uh autotune system uh <laughs> but it's 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 not final yet uh alex and i uh, talked about that uh, yesterday it's could be but that has to be discussed uh, internally of course uh, it could be that the for now the p and i tuning is removed from auto tune so auto tune will only tune feed forward and the rates uh, in the current state but yeah that has to be discussed if that actually works because uh, p and i basically change the um or can be changed to your more to your liking because they are actually not really needed for uh, actual flying and uh, t- until uh, the developers find a better way to tune P and I properly and not just by relationships, uh, it might be that uh, only feed forward end rates will be tuned in the next version. Hmm.
1: Interesting. And you were saying switching profiles in flight. So is it possible to switch OSD profiles as well so you can go from metric to uh, imperial? <laughs> no. Uh, uh,
2: flying profile. So um, there's a few things with, that have been brought to attention that would will be useful for. So one could be a VTOL. So you could have a basically a quad type profile, which when you transition to a plane, switches profile to a plane profile. Oh, interesting. Um, you could use it for uh, gliders so you can get more efficient uh, gliding without power. You could use it for going fast to reduce the rates, um, so that you have less uh, control surface movement. But yeah, even in manual mode, so that as your speed increases, because it's, it's all done through the programming framework, so it can be set up to happen automatically.
1: You, can, yeah, you set it up with uh, not global variables, but uh, logical conditions, so that they can switch from one to the other. Right? Yeah,
2: yeah, and it. it
0: yeah, go for it, yeah by, by the way there's one interesting thing uh darren you you might uh, also like it i'm not sure if you have read that comment um andreas came up with an idea uh, or asked me what i uh, what i think about that uh instead of the programming tab with all these different lines and actions you kind of you, you do uh to introduce some kind of uh scripting system in enough instead so you don't have uh, every line for every single action like compare two values or uh, get some triggers or save, uh, do some calculations with each line because we only have 32 uh, to in- integrate maybe a full script system where you can write down what you want to do and uh, yeah, basically write your own enough code.
1: Yeah, in, write it in Python, line. right? Say again? Write it in Python, right?
0: <laughs> I, I don't think that it will be. <laughs> and tiring. your Raspberry
1: Pi would be awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. Um, I was two two minds. I think it would be really cool, but also it makes it a little bit more inaccessible. That was the only sort of downside. You've got to learn this scripting language, whereas at I the mean, moment you just pull down boxes and you can. You know, people that don't know how to code can. Yeah, set
0: I mean, stuff up. my my suggestion on this was uh, basically I thought the same as you say. Uh, that uh, really a scripting language can be uh, hard to get uh, to get into it for users who are not used to it. Uh, to it, I mean, we already have a lot of users who can't even handle the current uh, uh, programming. But um, my suggestion was to really make also some kind of drop down. Uh, let's say you want to compare, like, uh, or you you want to have multiple triggers. Uh, to do some action right now, you have to uh, get this value in one line, this value in one line, this value in one line. Then you have to make an and logic condition with the first two, then another and logic condition with the third one, and the result of the other one. You could do that with multiple drop downs, and the scripting uh, the script is built in the background, for example.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. on a website, right?
0: Like, maybe on a website or directly in the configurator. I mean, the configurator is a website, so you can just uh, build it there in theory. I mean, that was just my suggestion. Uh, There are no specific plans right now, (sighs) and it was just an idea coming up, maybe in the future. Maybe likely not for 4.0. So you can pick and
1: choose what you want.
0: Yeah.
2: 4.0 due to be released? Uh, Pavel's saying around sort of November, possibly December time.
1: Yeah, so. but, you know, don't get, you know, I guess what they've been saying is don't get super excited or like, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing like 3.0 was, this is, this is really, it's I now 3.1 is what it will be, but we're just calling it INAF 4.0. Yeah, so. yeah,
4: it's,
2: it's just the naming has changed. The, 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 the code that I was working on for now 3.1 is now 4.0, um. But yeah, I mean, th- there will be enough changes to keep people happy, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, config- configurator should get better as well, um, especially uh, the-, the mode tab, which I've sort of worked on something where you can now see if uh, a switch is in range, whereas currently it will only light up blue if the flight controller allows something. So, like, yeah. for example, return to home will never light up blue. Uh, because the plane can't get in to return to home. But uh, the change I've sort of implemented, if you're within that range, it will light a, a dark blue. So you know, but it will activate. And if it's the light blue, it means the flight controller is still activating it. And there's also a little icon down the bottom that shows if you're in acro, because that's something else that people never really had is, uh, am I in acro mode? There's no nothing for that. so.
0: You, more you point. Yeah, yeah, the, sorry <laughs> there's one more point um, uh, when i talked to to alex uh, i think it was yesterday or so um, and i asked him about the progress of the final the hopefully really final and real horizon drift fix for enough as at least for fixed rings um, yeah he, he said he understands the math behind it he understands how it is done but he has troubles to implement it so if there's any developer uh, or software programmer watching this now and might be uh, willing to help here that would be really appreciated and just drop us a, a message on that because uh, right now there's no real progress and we want to we want to have that fix in 4.0. That would be amazing. (laughs) Today was was again a day uh, where I fought uh, two hours or one and a half hours uh, to fix a horizon drift on an AR wing. (laughs) Or at least get it under control so it can fly emissions reliably.
1: Interesting. Wow, yeah. So you're saying that he understands the math, but he doesn't know how to implement it as far as coding it is concerned. Yeah, yeah. So it would take it someone to do what is this c plus it's written in c yeah just just plain c c right. okay it's written in c so someone that has advanced skills and c so we can start asking around in the group if anyone or yeah it would be awesome um but this is somebody who understands the math and can also write c right yeah absolutely uh
0: i, I mean uh, uh L- um, Alex understands the math already, so he, he they could work together. For example. Okay,
1: so yeah, that means we need to do an exhaustive search, and that's a lot easier to do than trying to get thousands of dollars out of people. So that's uh, we can we'll look into that. And um, okay, great. Well, guys, anything else before we call it a day?
0: Not that. okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everything is silent. That's a no. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. We've covered quite a bit today. Well, I really want to take an uh, opportunity to thank first Glenn for showing up today and helping out as far as it's good to have you back. And I'm glad you had your, you enjoyed your summer vacation with Mark.
3: Thank you. Yeah, it was good. He's coming Looking... to the UK. He's coming to the UK next year.
0: Yeah, I hope then uh, I can I can take a drive through uh, the th- through Belgium and uh, don't have to uh, take the plane. <laughs> <laughs> if
1: you come out to the United States, come out to California, you, the deserts are located in places like Arizona and Nevada, so like where Las Vegas is. And there, are I mean, you can fly as far as you want to go. You just have to go find your plane. Uh, so that's where you need a scooter, Glenn. You'll need a scooter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll get myself one and so obviously has yeah. has experience you'll have to do it sober though but um the big thanks to Krunkle floop uh today for showing up and helping out thanks for being really an active member in the group and really oh, great to have you, you. <laughs> so. uh, I've, I've
5: loved it i mean the group's been um fantastic and um i think what's nice is that you know Okay, we get the odd you know, friction on the group, but ultimately, everyone there just wants to help everyone else, and that's what the hobby is about. And you know, I've learned so much over the last year just by crashing, and uh, <laughs> but um, I'll always, you know, you come across problems and yeah, solutions, and that's what I've always tried to do is if anyone's had an issue, you know, okay, I've seen this before, try this, uh, but now I'm honored you've had me on. Um, so no, thanks very much, guys. And obviously, all the development that the uh, yeah devs are doing is it's quite incredible. I don't think people realize you know how much work goes into getting our um our foam in the air flying.
1: <laughs> I think we also really benefited yeah. last year for, because of COVID-19. That a lot of the developers were in lockdown. And they did a lot of extra work. Um, so you know we were able to push the ball it kicked the can down the road a little bit further than it would have normally happened with iNav. That's why we went to 3.0. It would have been iNav 2.7 in any other circumstance most likely. So yeah, the guys have done an amazing amount of work. So yeah, I really, really want to good. thank them. Mark, can you say something?
0: Yeah, and, and and learning per crashing is absolutely true. I mean, I, uh, by crashing, I learned how to convert centimeters in meters. So that's really helpful. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Next week, Mark gets on the Imperial system, and
0: he <laughs> <a> <laughs> fractions. So, <laughs> the, 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 then I will start circling uh, 30, 30 feet high. Maybe, maybe that, <laughs> that could work with the newer flight controllers.
2: It might clear some shorter trees.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's a, ben, the good thing about, um, another great thing about flying in places like Vegas and Arizona is that they're, the cactuses are so sparse, you probably won't hit them when you come in for a landing. And they're only about five feet up anyway, so they're pretty low to the ground. So, Mark, it would be perfect for you to come out here. Um, yeah,
0: well, then then I have to come with Glenn, and then we do a 50-kilometer range uh, flight uh, with enough radar. 50-kilometer <laughs> formation flight. Yeah, yeah.
1: You just got to do it in October because it's still probably over 100 degrees right now. <laughs> so you wait till october through like march it will be fine march, october through april um, especially in the winter months it'll be great um so guys thanks again this has been a great show i'm gonna say bye everybody bye
3: bye bye yes. bye thank you for listening to
4: wing talk the webcast is live the third sunday of every month and this podcast follows shortly afterwards Check out inavfixedwinggroup.com for more details.